get it going. It's time to get up. Into the slot, snapshot. It looked like he hit the post. He did indeed, and the Canucks win. The losing streak ends at three games as Vancouver picks up a 6-5 shootout win over the Montreal Canadiens. These guys are here to break it all down. I mean, we needed that win uh, for, you know, standings-wise, but also uh, for confidence. And, you know, I think it feels definitely good to get to two points, but at the same time, I think we can be better. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Terry Sokowski sucked tonight. This is the starting lineup with James Sobolski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is Thursday, January 21st. How about that night? Who needed a drink after watching that one? Welcome to the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski here, Perry Silkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, hanging with you until 9 o'clock this morning. Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at 650 650. At Sportsnet 650 is where you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram. Brian Burke will join the show in an hour from now. Ian McIntyre drops by at 8 o'clock on your Canucks commute. And Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast will help you try to get paid in the National Football League Championship Sunday just a couple days away uh, in the NFC and the AFC Championships. We're looking forward to that as well. But what a game last night for the Canucks to finally shake a three-game slide. and A game that had a little bit of everything, I'd say, last night, Pear. Boy, uh, you know, you don't want that tight checking hockey to go. Oh, this isn't fun to watch. It had absolutely everything. Um, it, it's one of those. If you if you didn't see, oh, hey, did the Canucks win? Yeah, yeah, no, we'll take the two points. James, I, I liken it to a long weekend. There is no way a long weekend is a bad thing. But you might have that holiday Monday off and go for a bike ride. The next thing you know, you got a flat tire. Oh, damn. And then you're sitting around because it's a long weekend, having a beer, having a barbecue. Oh, you burnt the burgers. It's still a long weekend, but there were a lot of issues during that 60 minutes plus of hockey. But, man, take the win. They needed it. And give credit that they weren't going to let it go. They did four times with the lead. But in the end, they're in that dressing room with two points. You needed offense. You got offense. The law of averages, just like drummers and spinal tap at some point in theory surviving, the Canucks power play after going 0 for 16 to start the year finally ignite and uh, they get three goals last night with the man advantage. Uh, big night for them there. The penalty kill much better. But again, like you said, uh, some definite concerns and depth on the blue line already was in question when the start of the season pair. Uh, it's going to really come into question now with the health of Alex Edler and Travis Hamanick. Both guys didn't finish the game last night. Hamanick stayed on the bench, but you know, no idea what things look like, and especially if Alex Edler didn't finish last night's game with an upper body injury. I mean, how does that look like when we go round two? I mean, this is the beauty of these two teams last night. I mean, it was up and down. There's definite room for improvement for both teams. But, man, we got two more of these two teams going head-to-head starting tonight and then another one on Saturday afternoon. Last time they played a home opener, it was Drew Doughty. And it was the Canucks walking all over him. And Drew Doughty gave us the quote that a lot of people ran with for a long time. A team like that. I'm sure there's some in the Montreal Canadiens room that thought, really, man, we were, you know, as as Claude Julian said, we were soft on the penalty kill. They might have had that feeling. Man, there's no way we should have lost that hockey game. They didn't say it publicly, but that's the beauty of this. We'll get to see it again tonight. I think the Canucks have to be a lot better tonight. They're likely not going to see Carey Price. But you get the win, and James, it's amazing how quickly. You're right. If if you've lost Edler, 
and there's nothing indicating that he's going to show up all of a sudden less than 24 hours later. And if Hamannick can't go, you're looking at a blue line that ostensibly the only people from last year who will be there will be Tyler Myers and Quinn Hughes. And Quinn Hughes at a minus four, as good as he is, I don't think it's Quinn Hughes go shut him down. So an early test of depth, unfortunately, for the Canucks with just some bad luck and some injuries. Yeah, I mean, he, he was, that, that's the one thing, and we'll get into this even more so at the bottom of the hour, but, you know, there's Petey for the fourth straight game going pointless. Now, was he noticeable out there? Oh, hell yeah. And Carey Price certainly noticed him going trying to go between the legs on a breakaway. I'll tell you, it was amazing to see how pretty much every media member at the same time tweeting out, well, Petey's clearly not lacking for confidence when you're going to be that salty on a breakaway when you haven't had a point in three games and you go between the legs on Carey Price <laughs> in that first period. Some people loved it. I, I, I love the effort, but, man, I was surprised to see how many people didn't like it, Pear. Oh, I had a few Habs fans from around the country. Tell your captain to tell that pencil neck kid they were angry. And you know what? Carey Price is never going to say anything, but that is also the beauty of, hey, you get him again tonight. I, I Watching it a couple of times, the puck was a little wobbly, and that is, if you're confident with that move, that sometimes in desperation, that's your best option. But you're right. I think the Montreal Canadiens, like, James, take, take a superstar. I go, hmm, okay, when's the last time superstar on superstar? It's trying to, to show someone like that. As you said earlier, if he scores that goal, that's like Merrick Malik first time you see it. It still survives for a long time. That would be everywhere. Love the confidence, but I think there was a lot of people that go, ah, that's Carey Price. You can't be trying to do that to him. Um, that line was a lot better. I think the power play effective a lot because they're cheating to Petey Saigon. I watched that one-timer, then there's a little more room for Bo. But boy, I... Ah, after it didn't bother me in the moment. It's wow, kid, you got a lot of confidence. Then you kind of thought in the hashtag code that you find in the NHL, maybe not the right thing to do. But if you're trying to score goals, and this is where it's like, man, the code this, the code that, I, I understand, but the disrespect, you're trying to score goals. Doesn't matter how but you how get often them. is that the move to score goals? Well, in a shootout, like how, yes. How often not often. That not often. Yeah. No. No. That's fair. I mean, in, in the shootout, in a shootout, you see it. You know, in a, in, a, in the middle of a game, not often. Although I think Alexander Barkov was it not Barkov who scored one of those on Pedersen or on on Carey Price going back a year or two ago, and and we saw one of those. So I mean, it's happened before. Um, to do it on a grand scale, like we saw last night, a national game here in the country. Uh, oh man, I'll tell you what. It would if he scores, it's the highlight that everybody's talking about in the hockey world this morning, right? Did you see Pedersen go between the, the legs? The greatest slump buster oh, ever. Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> right? Like you know, the whole notion of the slump buster is usually greasy and ugly. I mean, this one was a would have been a perfect ten <laughs> if he finishes it. But six fifty, six fifty. Did you did you have a problem with it or did you love it? I mean, I think Habs fans are kind of. You're right. Like there's that old school mentality that you go. That's that's disrespectful. You're trying to show the guy up, but man, if you're just trying to score goals, I mean, for that kid who hadn't tried, who hadn't scored, I mean, do something different. Try to shake it up for whatever works. I appreciate the confidence. I appreciate the effort because you're trying to score. You play to win the game. You score more goals than the other team in hockey pair. You win. It's as simple as that. That's what they did. Right, that's what they did. I just, man, they flew the zone a lot. The uh, you know, Tra Travis Hamanek, 
His decision to help out Quinn Hughes on that first goal, I, I didn't bother me that much. You go, where is he? Ah, okay, he probably thought that that was the wrong hit. And I'm going to show my new teammates. If I'm on the ice and that happens, I can handle it. Um, and, and it happened an awful lot. I'm not going to pick at him. As I said, long weekend, it's great. But I think Travis Green knows and they'll know. And we'll hear from some of the players. They've got to be better if they want to pick up another two points tonight. But at least they got that in their back pocket because they were a desperate hockey team. They didn't want to say it, but, man, you needed a win just to get everything right. And they did, and they deserved it. Simple as that. You're absolutely right, and Captain Bo Horvat certainly echoed that sentiment last night following this one that, uh, you know what, <laughs> they needed this W in a big way. Yeah, it was really important. I mean, we needed that win. Um, you know, obviously uh, for – you know, standings wise, but also uh, for confidence. And, um, you know, I think it feels definitely good to get to two points, but at the same time, I think we can be better. And, um, you know, we can't be just satisfied with, uh, you know, with that. I think we just got to keep building off of it, you know, keep our confidence and, and come ready to play tomorrow night because they're going to be coming again. You know, and, and, and to that, you know, pair, like nice to see the Canucks get the win. I think Horvat kind of alluding to the fact that, you know, hey, look, they needed that. At the same time, you know, they desperately needed this and they had to get two points on a night. And this is something that Travis Green alluded to as well. On a night that you get five, not one, not two, not three, not four. I'm talking five snipes on Carey Price, who's still one of the best goaltenders on the planet. You need to capitalize and get the two points. And that's exactly what Travis was saying after this one. We talked about that after the game. It's. It's not often he uh, you score that many goals against him. He's such a good goalie. Um, obviously, our power play was a big part of it, uh, and that they got good defense. They had a good team. They defend well. Um, you know, right throughout their lineup, they got. And I thought, uh, you know, to get fought, to get what we needed to win was the most important thing tonight. But uh, that doesn't happen very often. Parrot, not pretty, but they got the win. Well, and you, it almost seemed like, at least I was, um, you know, they got that first power play opportunity like a minute in, moved the puck well and didn't score, and then they just continued with the chances. Then they moved the puck so well, deserved every one of the little goals. You know, it's not like you look at them and go, Carey Price should have had it. But it was it was also from the other end, okay, you're going to need that, that buffer goal, that little insurance, because these guys keep on coming back, uh, which they did. But credit to the resilience that I think this team learned last year. That you know what? No, we're not going to fade. And that Brock Besser goal to tie it just seemed to lift in the game that that they were going to get. It had some great chances in overtime. Didn't have any shots actually on Carey Price, but hey, they they got it done, and, and that's what they need. Uh, they were in the bottom of the standings going into that game after the Oilers won, and these standings are going to be close. But they needed that kickstart. Take it from there. And as Travis said, that's a good hockey team, and they'll see that again because I think more adjustments to the Canucks games have to be made, especially if they're hurt on the injury. On the blue line today, more adjustments for them need to be made than the Montreal Canadiens. They're just playing a, a more solid game. But superstars and power plays can win you hockey games, and that's what happened last night. Yeah, and you know, and you know what? There's like you alluded to, like this team can still find room for improvement, right? I mean, they're oh, top guns. Load. Like that that lotto line was leaking goals. <laughs> they just thankfully got <laughs> just enough on the power play, but they were on the ice for three goals last night, right? I mean, they 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 were leaking. You know, they, they had an off night in their own end. And Travis Green had talked about this in the last couple of days. I'm not going to hide these guys. I'm not going to hide them. I'm going to push forward with them. They're going to match up against great lines. They're going to match up with other lines. 
And that was a night last night that, look, they took their haymakers. They took their punches. But they got the two points in this one. And we'll see how it responds to it. I would think that we're not going to see, what, 10 goals scored in regulation tonight. I think we're going to see a much tighter affair from both sides. Well, the the difficulty is, what do you do? Let, let's assume they don't have Hamannick as well. So who's going in there? You know, is is does Jack Rathbone go in? Does Ole Olevi? And and we'll hear from him later. But let's take the positive of two points. Like let's take the positive of Jalen Chatfield, putting throwing his body around, having to be on the ice late in the hockey game because you're down to four defensemen, and looking good. I mean, here's a guy whose name was kind of floated around before you had Travis. I uh, haven't come and going, okay, you know what? Uh, maybe Chatfield's going to be pushed in. You go, how many guys can you push in? Uh, injuries create opportunity. I, I think he spoke with confidence, felt at ease, but he was good. But if you've got a blue line where your veterans are Tyler Myers and Quinn Hughes, and you've got to lean on them because you're missing two guys, this team is not deep enough on the blue line there. So I, I think it'll be more of a team game, guys. Hey, let's shut her down. If we get the power play, we know that's back and working. It was fun last night, but I'm with you. You're not seeing 11 goals tonight. Not playing that way, it's not sustainable, right? And the Montreal Canadiens know that as well, right? I mean, the Habs certainly showed that physical side. Uh, I should also mention, uh, get those submissions in now for Canucks and a song. I love the fact that so many of you want to play along already, that when we get turn on our microphones at 6 o'clock in the morning and we've already got a bunch of submissions that have been pouring in, so they're ready to go. Uh, so 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, a bunch of people also jumping in uh, with the PD uh, move last night on Carey Price as well. And, uh, you know, a couple texts coming in here, Pear. Y'all need to relax. Great play. People who call it salty or disrespectful are antiquated dinosaurs who want to reign in youthful talent. If he gets the goal, no one is complaining. At least here, right? And another one coming in. Uh, used to hate that stuff, but it's almost the norm now in the NHL. And actually, it was sort of the move that, that he left uh, what the puck was doing, the hot dog. Maybe some minds. Uh, I absolutely love it. So most people, I think, from a Canuck standpoint, they like what Petey was trying to do. I think if we're asking people in Montreal this morning, they're probably, hey, WTF, what are you doing on that? Are you trying to show up our goalie pair? Well, I, I agree with that call. I think where the puck was, because it was bouncing, it, it just put him in a, in a tough spot. So what that move, since we've seen it five or six years ago, if you're proficient enough at it, it actually becomes better odds sometimes to score the goal, right? Okay, I can pull my stick back and actually move the puck farther back, buy me that extra space, and see if I can lift it. But And I, I completely agree with the text, and the Dunbar uh, Lumber text line is hopping, so keep on and join the conversation. I do think there's an old-school mentality. Don't do that to them. Don't. And we'll see with Berkey. Berkey's old school. Should you pull it off against a Hall of Famer like Carey Price? But in the situation, you do it. There will be a time at some point this year when we will see Hoglander try and go lacrosse goal because he can do it at a fast pace. He's been doing it at practice with teammates showing him. And he has that kind of confidence. Just, hey, here's a move I have. I've done it a hundred times. I've done it a million times. I'm going to see if I can do it in a game. And Petey's head just works there knowing, hey, you know, there's the puck. Here's my hands. This is my best option. He did it. And I think there is a code that belongs to old school. I'm with you. Push ahead. Do it again. Try it tonight. 
I, I, Zach McEwen tried the lacrosse move in practice a couple of weeks ago. He wound up getting a car deal out of it, too, here on this radio station. Uh, Torgy Langley, uh, real quick here. I love this one. Uh, the between-the-legs goal is as easy for Petey to pull off as would be the classic Emilio Estevez triple deke. Fans need to chill out, if anything. I wish he'd tried to rip a snapshot to bust the slump, but no problem with the move. Not many can pull it off at that speed and as smooth as Petey, but it's pretty common now. Uh, let's bring in Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast who was a young goaltender in minor hockey must have seen the mighty ducks triple deke a few times way back in the day Furman, is that would that be fair you know everyone tried to do almost anything they possibly could in their arsenal whether it was in practice never used to see anything too over the top in games along those lines but uh there's no doubt when those movies came out you guys talk about the lacrosse moves and such uh the coaching staffs were never thrilled when that was the chosen method that they would try and put the puck in the net and practice type scrimmages my goodness we're influenced think about when when the michael jordan off the backboard off the scoreboard how many guys went to their high school gym and looked at every wall possible to see if they could if they could get two points that way, right? It you just, had to try and figure out what you could do to get a leg up on the competition in a game of horse. Obviously a little bit different on the ice. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I, I never shot a basketball through the Golden Arches or played Larry Bird uh, on the biggest stage to take advantage of that. Oh my God, I, I couldn't I couldn't begin to tell you that it was it was a move in the in the ninety one NBA Finals when Jordan going to the basket, changed hands in the air to get a layup to go off the glass and in. And my goodness, anytime you went to a pickup court, you know, <laughs> what a playground, somebody tried that move. Everybody tried that move. And it became to the point where you could just, you look like Dikembe Mutombo swatting it away because everybody tried that move. So it does on a 10 foot hoop. That's for sure. My athleticism wasn't quite going to allow me to play above the seven rim. footer, seven footer, right? Seven foot rim Furman. Yeah. Take advantage of what you, you know, uh, what you can. <laughs> Us hockey players, we weren't exactly uh, well accomplished when it came to going under the hardwood. Oh my God. That's funny. Your, your team's undefeated back. Golden Knights continue to roll. Don't they? Uh, that they do, but uh, still some questions about this team and its overall composition. When you look at the level of opponent that they face so far, uh, Anaheim and Arizona aren't going to exactly put you on your heels from an offensive firepower standpoint, but the Knights find a way in two games to get victories late in the third period, which you're going to take for the first time in franchise history. They'll start out 4-0 and then two more games on the road uh, against Arizona before things get a little bit tougher. But awfully interesting, guys, when you look at the way these schedules have played out with these series-type back-to-back scenarios and how that dynamic will ultimately unfold, you guys will see it on full display after that shootout last night uh, with Vancouver's power play breaking out, scoring three times in six opportunities. Let's uh, let's look ahead to Sunday, Championship Sunday, my friend. Uh, you know, it's it's fascinating that here we are, kind of when you look at the quarterback matchups, it's kind of the you know at a crossroads for the NFL, right? You got Rodgers and Brady on one side, and then you kind of got the kind of the old school, and then you kind of got the new school in the future with Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes. Why don't we start with why don't we start with the AFC here, uh, Todd, and give me a sense of how you look at this one playing out on Sunday. 
Well, I think the big question all week long was about Patrick Mahomes' availability, but him going through a limited practice session yesterday with the rest of the team uh, has any casual fan out there brimming with optimism that the face of the league going forward will be available as far as the concussion protocol is concerned. Now, the turf toe is the injury that I don't think a lot of people have paid a ton of attention to, but you watch some of his mechanics throughout the game against Cleveland, and once he injured the foot, he was short-arming some balls, uh, and you didn't see him go through his full range of mechanics that you'd like to see from a quarterback that has elite-level arm talent. Uh, a ton of familiarity between these coaching staffs. Uh, Andy Reid knows Sean McDermott well. Actually fired McDermott from his staff when they were both with the Eagles. And Kansas City, of course, trying to become the first repeat Super Bowl winner since the Patriots did it in 2003-2004. Meanwhile, Buffalo on the other side, you can say that this team playing probably uh, free and easy with zero pressure on them uh, at this point in the campaign. Josh Allen has been outstanding through this short period in his career as an underdog, 14-7-2 against the number, and even better on the road. The biggest question for the Bills is what they can do on the defensive side of the ball to try and slow down Kansas City. The first time these two teams played, Buffalo played two safeties way back and allowed Clyde Edwards-Alaire and the rest of the Chiefs running backs to take full advantage of the tune of 260 yards. Well, we're not sure if Clyde Edwards-Alaire will be out there, and if it's just Darrell Williams, will Buffalo be a little bit more aggressive? Because they didn't blitz Mahomes a single time. Uh, ultimately, with this particular number, uh, I'd wait this out as long as possible. Once Mahomes is officially upgraded, I think you'll have the opportunity to grab Buffalo plus 3.5, and, and that's where I'm leaning right now. Yeah, you know, even when Mahomes was healthy, you saw a lot in that Buffalo team that you thought maybe, just maybe. You know, what's the talk? You, you, you wonder, Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been so good. But Le'Veon Bell, is, is he just not in any of the game planning for Kansas City? I just don't know if at this point in his career, Andy Reid trusts him to be a guy that's going to carry eight to ten times and be as dynamic a receiver out of the backfield as he once was as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, whether it's a deterioration of skill set, the work ethic not there, clearly something isn't working for Le'Veon Bell because you would have imagined, no doubt, that this would have been the perfect opportunity to resurrect his career. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see where he lands uh, at the end of this season. Uh, of course, he's got some significant money still owed to him, but I can't imagine he's going to fit into Kansas City's game plan knowing that Edwards-Alaire will be the back of the future and they'll also get Damian Williams back, uh, assuming he doesn't opt out for a second season. All right, so Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast with us. You like Buffalo in the AFC at plus three and a half. How about the NFC at the? You know, this is the, like the one thing that you know Tom Brady to get to all those Super Bowls. There was always a road to have to get through. Yeah, I had to face Manning. There were the Steelers that were there. I mean, the road to get through the AFC was way tougher compared to what Aaron Rodgers has had to deal with, and yet Rodgers has only had the one Super Bowl. You know, not exactly uh, his wheelhouse, the NFC Championship. How do you see Tampa and Green Bay here? And you mentioned the NFC Championship. This will be the first NFC Championship game that Rodgers will get at Lambeau Field. And it was simply staggering when you dig into the numbers wow. and, re and realize that's the case. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, as you talked about, clearly he has accomplished all you could hope for and then some during his illustrious NFL career. But he's just one in three straight up in title games played on the road because the Patriots – had the luxury of playing most of those games at home, having come out of the AFC East and being the number one or number two seed. One thing working against the Bucks in this spot, since the wild card round began back in 1978, teams that play their third straight road game uh, en route to trying to get to the Super Bowl are just 5-12 and 12 against the number and 4-13 and 13 straight up. Uh, I'll admit that I have not had a great read on Green Bay all season. I thought they were a little bit overvalued by the betting market, 
But to Aaron Rodgers' credit, he's masked a lot of their deficiencies uh, on the offensive side initially. And on the defensive side, this team has gotten significantly better. And it wasn't because of a midseason acquisition or anything along those lines. It's been the emergence of the 12th overall pick from last year's draft in Rashawn Gary. He's bringing pressure from the edge, and it's taking a lot off of Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith's plates. Jair Alexander becoming one of the truly elite cornerbacks. Uh, as far as remaining cornerbacks, the only one that's got a better performance grade so far this season is Jarius Sneed for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I like that Green Bay is committed to the ground game a bit. You're seeing some A.J. Yeah. Dillon. You're seeing Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So it's not all just on Rodgers. When I look at this game, I think three, three and a half, a very fair assessment of where this number should be. I lean towards the under just because Green Bay is so methodical offensively that if any of those long drives end in field goals and Tampa is not able to create a short field, which there's no reason to believe they'll be able to do here, uh, that we could see a game played somewhere in that you know, 27-24 range, 24-21, a tight game throughout, but coming in under the total of 51.5. It's funny, with two legend quarterbacks, I think the running game is key. I like how the Packers can run the ball. And to me, last weekend, I'm going, hang on here, did Leonard Fournette lose 20 pounds and gain warp speed? Because he was (laughs) running like never before, just looked that much quicker. Fair assessment that those teams need to run the ball to let the veterans do their bit? 100% agreement there. When you look at Green Bay, uh, if they're going to drop Aaron Rodgers back in known passing situations, Todd Bowles is going to have a field day scheming up pressure, much like he did back in week six, where Rodgers was confused pretty much from start to finish. Meanwhile, on the other side, Tampa has taken all season to figure out its offensive identity. You've seen them commit to the ground game. 25 combined carries between Fournette and Jones last week. Leonard Fournette, back-to-back 100-plus yard games in terms of scrimmage yards, uh, and you mentioned how he looks a lot faster. This appears to be more of the Leonard Fournette we saw in Jacksonville when they made the run to the AFC Championship. And the other part that he's added to his game, he's a dynamic receiver coming out of the backfield. All of the Bucks wide receivers get all the headlines, but they only had six combined catches between Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin last week, and Godwin accounted for four of those. It was Cameron Brait. It was everybody else on the roster stepping up. So I think this Tampa offense has a lot to be excited about, but they're going to have to put together long, sustained drives. They had three touchdowns last week against the Saints that only had to travel 40 yards or less. Furman, shake yeah. off those Mighty Duck nightmares, triple deke breakaways that you had to endure all those years ago, and enjoy Championship Sunday in the National Football League this weekend. Thanks for the tips, my friend. I shall do my best, gentlemen. Good luck with your picks as well. Thank you as always. Thanks, uh, there he is, Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast here on Sportsnet 650. All right, 25 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Thursday morning. James and Perry kicking it with you until 9 o'clock. Brian Burke drops by at 7 a.m. It is game day in the city once again. Canucks and Habs going back at it. Get those submissions in. 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Canucks in a song. What song sums up what you saw play out last night at Rogers Arena? We're going to hit the music next and also deal with the concern right now that the Canucks best players aren't exactly that right now. That's all coming up right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. Well, was it pretty? No. Was it fun? Yeah. The end result was, but the bottom line is a win is a win. The good news after that Canucks victory last night over the Montreal Canadiens is that it's looking more and more like Brock Besser's 2018 shot is back. 
Back to the line, Hughes, one-time drive, stopped by Price, rebound in front, Besser scores! He's tied for the league leading goals right now with four. Now, Bo Horvat seems to be bringing his playoff scoring touch over from last summer now into 2021. Miller holding on to the puck, half wall, then for Besser, in front, Horvat, he scores! After a tough start to the season, Tyler Mott seemed to be atoning for some miscues. Three on one, Tyler Mott down the right wing, shoots and scores! And after an 0-for-16 start to the season, the power play. Oh yeah, there was a lot to like from Vancouver, but there are some concerns that linger too. The depth of the blue line looks like it's about to be tested with Alex Edler leaving early last night with an upper body injury, and Travis Hamanick also seemed to be laboring at the end too. But the real concerns remain the wonder kids. Elias Pettersson went pointless for a fourth straight night. Sure, he still looked confident when he tried to go between the legs on a breakaway on Carey Price, but Petey was a minus two. Love the effort, but it's not there yet. And then... There's Quinn Hughes. Come on without, come on within. You'll not see nothing like the mighty Quinn. The mighty Quinn is piling up points with two more apples last night, but he also skated off with the green jacket in hockey with finishing with a minus four. To put it mildly, Hughes is scuffling in his own end. He had caught Kenny's goal go off his stick and Canucks coach Travis Green weighed in on Quinn's struggles. It's easy to sit there and say that he struggled when when a guy is minus four. Sometimes he's not involved in all the plays. Yeah, he was might not have been his best game. Uh, whenever you're minus four, it's, it definitely isn't. But we'll look at the tape. We'll talk to him tomorrow, and he'll be fine. Now, if Edler's sideline, that's only going to increase the 21-year-old's minutes if Vancouver's defensive depth is put to the test. Hughes last night, by the way, logged 27 minutes against the Habs. He got hit multiple times, too, and they go back at it tonight. Now, it's concerning that the franchise players haven't been great to start the season, but the good news is the Canucks are only a game below 500 right now, and your best players aren't living up to the hype. There's definite room for improvement, and we still aren't sure what either of their true ceiling is. It's early in the season, but dare I say, could the two players also be thinking of their first home run payday later on this summer? There's a lot at stake this season for those guys. If the Canucks are to claim one of the top four playoff spots in the Gord Downey All-Canadian Division, your best players need to be just that. They're getting help from others right now, but it's not a sustainable recipe for them to continue to find their way much longer when I'm talking about Hughes and Pedersen. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. Well, 27 minutes of ice time is something that Quinn Hughes can't have on a regular basis. And Quinn Hughes is not the guy you want to lock games down. And unfortunately, if they are not healthier tonight on the back end, which means no Edler, more Hamannock, 27 minutes for Nate Schmidt yesterday too. Uh, that's not Quinn's game. His game is to jumpstart the offense, and you're asking him to do an awful lot. He's going to accept it. He's tireless out there. But, boy, when he was on that ice, I don't think the Montreal Canadian forwards were that concerned that they were coming down on Quinn Hughes. He's a smart player who needs to be covered a little bit, had the perfect partner in it, 
in last year and is trying to find a groove by going, man, we need you to swim in the deep end. We need you to do it now. Uh, I'm not concerned about either of them as specific players as Petey and Hughes. I'm just concerned about the depth on the blue line if you're minus two regulars who you expected to eat up a lot of minutes tonight when they see the Canadians for game two. You know, the other thing that really kind of stood out watching the Habs last night in the Canucks, I think the, the blueprint seemed to be discovered, if you will, from the Vegas Golden Knights last year in terms of how to approach or how to attack Quinn Hughes, right? And it's get physical with him, right? Go put it in the corner. But how many times did you see the Montreal Canadiens put the body on Quinn Hughes last night? I mean, Josh Anderson took a roughing penalty where he threw, he basically threw Hughes into an empty net. But along the boards where Hamannick tries to go and help out, there's Hughes buried along the wall there. You know, Hughes taken down behind the net a few times as well. You know, 27 minutes on the ice, and you're getting hit at every opportunity. You know, he could be exhausted by the time this little mini-series against the Habs winds up on Saturday night. Well, that's what playoffs do. They expose you a little bit, but he was able to to adjust to it, and by adjusting to it, it's something they may look to and remind forwards again, hey, you know what, they're dumping it into Quinn. Make sure you're in their way in the neutral zone so they don't get that extra step on him because all he does is give him that extra second and he'll be okay and be able to make the play. So that becomes more of a team game. I thought a lot of their deficiencies, you know, we look at the blue line, you look at the plus minus numbers and, and some of the opportunities that the Habs had from the Canucks blue line in where they go, why is the guy that open? I think it's just team deficiencies as well. They have to clean it up. It was fun last night. It's great. They can outscore a lot of teams and they did that, but now they're going to have to be able to try and lock it down a little bit more because to your point, Vegas figures it out. Montreal Canadiens got three games against these guys to figure it out. I'm sure they saw a lot of things they liked and go, this is what we'll work on tonight, guys, and we're not going to be giving up that much because they weren't thrilled with their penalty kill, and they're saying it's as much on them as it was a power play that needed to get going. But uh, Hughes and Petey will both be okay, but they can't be it, James. It was Brock, it was Bo yesterday. Three years ago, that's all they had. Now they've got a lot more. It's just a matter of when everyone will be playing on the same page. But you got enough superstars that you can pull up two points like you did last night. Now I love the challenge. Okay, was that real? Was it a team like that, like it was opening night last year? Or are they going to go, no, we're back. See if we can take another one off you, Habs. Uh, love this text uh, in here at uh, the Dunbar Lover text line, uh, 650-650. Uh, firecrackers don't work as flashlights. Let the young kids play less minutes and watch them shine. Keith and Poco also asking on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650, hey, what happened to Canucks in a song? Well, guess what? You ask, we got it. Let's fire up the music here this morning. If you got your submission, get it up now, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Here's where I'm going this morning, Pear. I'm looking at this game, and you know what? Gray Ballack, hit the music here, and I'm going to lay it out, all right? Because this game played out like it was drunk with tequila. Carey Price allowing five goals in regulation. Quinn Hughes a minus four. Tyler Toffoli gets a hat trick but can't score to keep the game alive in a shootout. Petey with no goals and still goes between the legs on a breakaway attempt. Canucks with three power play markers. This game was drunk, and that's why I'm going with tequila. Man, this song was perfect for last night, Pear. Oh. This is just this is a classic wedding song. Wherever you are, if someone's spinning it. But, fun. Buddy, to this day, I still think of that Pee Wee Herman dance from Pee Wee's Big Adventure, uh, what? Yeah. Back exactly. in the mid-80s. Exactly right. <laughs>
What do you got? Uh, you know what? This one is going uh, to Keith, who's been busy on the text line, who in the myriad of texts once said, hey, uh, a ski patrol, don't fret. The lotto line shall thrive us. Where's Canucks in the song? No wonder this market is negative. You guys push it. You know what, Keith? Yeah, there might be some negativity. I'm just looking at, hmm, they won. It was awesome, but they're hurt. And last night after the game, I just thought, hmm, what do you got on the blue line? You could be in trouble, like Pink saying. It gets you going. The groove is good. A lot of loud bass, a lot of loud guitar. But then you hear the lyrics and go, oh, yeah, man, maybe some trouble. We'll see what they can do tonight. Carson uh, also with this submission at Sportsnet 650. Uh, he's looking uh, a little old school with ELO. And despite the win, hey, don't bring me down. How about Andrew? Going with this submission, a little Tom Petty. You got lucky. Pear, I know you're going to love this submission here this morning from Kevin, who after watching that Canucks 6-5 win last night in the shootout, he's going rock set. Dangerous. dangerous playing with fire you got five in regulation on price but you were bleeding goals in your own end too fun night of hockey though man it was a lot of fun to watch that one and they're going to do it again tonight yeah and and it's an interesting perspective right because you listen to the montreal canadians post game and hey they were rolling they're the hottest team in the nhl and all of a sudden they they leak that many goals but that dangerous song has to be exactly what they're saying too yeah, you could have been better, but Montreal, you didn't create a whole lot. The chances that you had and where you scored, it was almost the mistake by the home team, right, where they capitalized on it. And you have to look at the Canucks lineup. They're not looking at that getting set for tonight going, well, they can't score. No, there's got a lot of weapons. And if you get confidence, and the great thing is, you mentioned about PD, you mentioned about Q's, and they're coming to that rink again tonight going, man, I, I need it to be better. We were good as a team. We won. We've been ripping on a lot of these guys for the last three or four games. Because you know, Where are they? It doesn't matter. You can still play poor, but it's masked by a win, not inside the room. They're going to go, we got to be better. We got to tighten it up. Let's do that, and we'll be okay. It's going to be great. Like You get three of these. If Habs even it up tonight, let's see what they can do Saturday afternoon to get it done. But Canucks in a song, keep them coming. And sorry, Keith, man, I don't. my trouble's not negative. It's a heartbeat. I'm just trying to be logical, <laughs> just like the head coach was yesterday. Hey, we needed that win. But there's some things we need to improve on. 
Absolutely love it. Uh, Jay and Lady Smith, Eastman, Tommy, uh, Jono, a lot of other people getting in here. Uh, we will uh, continue the music coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. Don't forget, Brian Burke will join us at the top of the clock, weigh in with his thoughts on what he's seeing early in this NHL season and his thoughts on what he saw from the Canucks last night. 6.43, we got no BS on this show, just straight-up PS, and it's coming at you next. It's game day. Canucks Habs round number two right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. Facts and figures coming at you this game day on a little bit of PS for you. You know, you can't travel with a basketball and you shouldn't travel to play basketball. But FIBA, the governing body that looks after world basketball, man, they went hard on our country yesterday. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me! Yeah, you gotta be kidding me. They come at them and fine them over a quarter of a million dollars because Canada, due to the global pandemic in November said they would not play a couple of games against Cuba and the Virgin Islands. The understanding was that they would get an opportunity to make these games up again. They lose some points in the qualifying round, James, and they get tagged. And for a sports organization where they're not loaded with money, although the guys who play are big-time millionaires, a quarter million dollars is a big hit. That just, just the move just seems to make no sense, right? Like, we're in a pandemic. You're trying to preach health and safety and be mindful and, and you're kicking you're kicking Canada basketball and the A double crooked letter for this. I, I I just it's a bit of a head scratcher on my part, but man, international governing bodies in sports, you know what? They never cease to amaze at the politics that they love to play, whether it's the International Olympic Committee pair that we both dealt with, uh, the International Ice Hockey Federation or FIFA. Uh, don't even get me started with FIFA. Oh boy. Greatest job to have. I work for the international governing body. What do you do? I'm not sure, but the rules don't make sense. Hey, P.S., <laughs> he announced his retirement yesterday, 17 years to the day that he played on a torn ACL. And in the retirement statement, he thanked those that he argued with throughout his career, the referees. I'm not asking for any favor. Just watch them. They really cheated. Seymour and Kelly, they're almost all sides on every play. He's right there, 44. Threw it over his head. I can do that. He took a shot in his face. You saw everyone on the first half. We missed that one. He ain't thrown it all day. That's a bad call. You must have thought it to throw it. What makes you change your mind? I don't get it. I never have understood it. Man, if you got some time, check out some of the NFL films on Phillip Rivers. He was absolutely great. J.J. Watt took to social media and said, man, oh, yeah. you brought it with your mouth and how you played every time. He was a mouthpiece. He was. Red defense is incredibly well. J.J. alluded to. He actually called the middle linebacker and said, you're out of position. You guys are supposed yeah. to be blitzing here. <laughs> Just outstanding. I'll say this, though, about Phillip Rivers. Hall of very good, not a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Uh, fifth overall as far as passing yards. Funniest thing I saw yesterday when they're talking about his career, if you're not aware, Philip Rivers has nine kids. He retires. Someone said, finally, Philip Rivers pulls out. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> P.S. Be before he left the office, it was a safe bet. Trump was handing out pardons at a rapid pace. You ain't got nothing to bet with. Care to make a wager on that? A bet? 50 bucks says I'll reach the bottom for you. $100 minimum bet table. 
Guys involved in gambling got a break. Chicago Bears' Brian Erlacher's brother was facing federal charges on a gambling ring. He got pardoned. And the infamous sports gambler Billy Waters, who, if you remember a few years ago, was tied to Phil Mickelson. And Phil's like backing off from this guy because it's shady. Trump, before he left, ah, guys, maybe I'm not big on the athletes, but I don't mind you two. The better you are, they got a free pass from Donald Trump. Didn't Joe Exotic have, like, a stretch limo hoping that he was getting pardoned, too? The Tiger King guy? <laughs> it was his last hope, wasn't it? And that's the last time you'll hear us hopefully talk about Trump. And finally, this is not BS. It's PS. It was 35 years ago today that... Come on! We're streaking! Come on! Come on! We're running! Come on! Woo! Woo! We're streaking! We're streaking! <laughs> Woo! Woo! Purdue, Purdue University, they had an Olympic race of streaking. 100 people running through the campus in plus three temperatures, 2,000 people in attendance to watch. You look back, they say that's where it all started, a tradition that had continued at the university up until this day. Streaking. I will say this, uh, the, the scene from old school that you were just sharing, uh, there are two movies that uh, I cried with tears in my eyes laughing so hard in the theater. One was old school when Will Ferrell takes the dart gun to the neck, and the second yes. was uh, the scene in Dumb and Dumber when uh, the, uh, the, the hitman eats the uh, burger with all the jalapeno peppers. Uh, those two scenes absolutely killed me. Well, and, and to find all this stuff, you got to go back and trust me. When I clicked on old school, it wasn't. Okay, there's the scene. It was watch it for five or six minutes. Yeah. Chuckle. <laughs> that was Will Ferrell at his best, man. Will Ferrell at his best. There you go. None of that is BS, everybody. That's just all PS on this Thursday morning. If you tell anyone, I'll freaking kill you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll have him back by dinner. Uh, all right. Brian Burke will weigh in. I wonder if he's ever actually seen old school. Brian Burke joins us next, weighing in with his thoughts on Canucks and Habs round one, and it goes down with round two tonight right here. It's game day, people, on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Into the slot. Snapshot. It looked like he hit the post. He did indeed, and the Canucks win. The losing streak ends at three games as Vancouver picks up a 6-5 shootout win over the Montreal Canadiens. These guys are here to break it all down. I mean, we needed that win uh, for you know, standings-wise, but also uh, for confidence. And, you know, I think it feels definitely good to get to two points, but at the same time, I think we can be better. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Terry Sokowski sucked tonight. This is the starting lineup with James Sobolski and Perry Solkowski. Seven o'clock, how you doing, everybody? James Sobolski, Perry Solkowski, our number two in the starting lineup here on Sportsnet 650. Brian Burke's going to join us in uh, just a couple of moments here. And Perry, another game day, round number two between the Canucks and the Habs after I feel like everybody took a standing eight count watching that. And 6.30 puck drop tonight, so uh, a reminder that it's a little bit earlier than your conventional start time here at Rogers Arena. It's a nice reminder of Chris Wall there as I'm listening to his sportscast going, oh, yeah, we're going at 6.30. Then they go at 4 o'clock on Saturday. You know, you listen to Bo Horvat there. He goes, you know, not only did we need that for confidence, we need it in the standings. I'm going, Bo, it's one weekend. 
but you're right. You needed that in the standings and you needed that for the confidence, you know, just to stop that slide, to not get away and have a team that's been playing really well in the Montreal Canadiens. The question is, just like opening night last year, they win and Drew Doughty's there going, holy smokes, they just they just rolled us. Uh, we can't lose up to a team like that. Well, now the Canucks have to prove because I think the Montreal Canadiens are going, we weren't very good, took a lot of undisciplined penalties, and credit to the Vancouver Canucks only taking one, but now we see. Let's throw the pucks and the sticks in the middle of the ice, grab them again, and let's see what we can do. It'll be interesting to see what we get tonight at 6.30 as far as a bounce back. But, man, you you can't underestimate. If you've lost two veterans in Edler and Travis Hanuk, boy, that's a challenge to your depth early. How, how, how many? How many of you watching that game screaming at Travis Hamannick for the last week or so, going "WTF? What is going on?" And then suddenly going, "Oh, oh, you know, maybe I, I didn't want him to get hurt. <laughs> Take yeah. him right now." Yeah. <laughs> it's the old "Don't know what you got till it's gone." The old uh, Cinderella track, man. It's uh, you know, we'll see, we'll wait and see. There was no update from Travis Green last night. The other side of that uh, pair is, you know. How about Tyler Toffoli's return to Vancouver, reminding so many of us just how effective he was with the Canucks last year, and he picks up the hat trick last night, and then the game was still on his stick at the end, and he can't convert. Oh. Like that feels like a that that feels not fair, right? You got a hat trick, you've done everything you can, and then it's it's up to you to keep the shootout alive, and uh, it doesn't go for Tyler Toffoli. But uh, hey, uh, you kind of look, man, four years, four million dollars. I mean, I think we were both on the same page of this one. It's it's terrible that the fact that the Canucks couldn't find a way to make that work here. Well, and, and listen, I, I don't think anyone disputes Tyler Toffoli has a great set of hands that can score, and I don't think anybody disputes, gosh, did he have loads of room on his goals, right? They were simple tap-ins. It wasn't like the Montreal Canadiens created a whole lot. You know, we had Todd Furman on talking about the football game and how Tampa Bay scored, but they only had to drive the ball like 40 yards in total for their touchdowns because of turnovers. Well, it's not like Tyler Toffoli was going through three or four guys and fending people off to score his goals. Uh, missed opportunities by the Canucks as to miscommunication. Toffoli's wide open. Oh, thanks, man. I'll go in there. So uh, credit to him. Listen, I, I think he's a good hockey player. I don't think he's what the Vancouver Canucks need. More physical last night. I thought Hoaglander was good again. Still very involved, so I don't think they will miss him, but they will. You got to go with such young guys on the blue line now. Like, what do you do? Is your Levy come back in to add things up and you move Nate Schmidt to the other side? Jalen Chatfield was very good, and sometimes there's going to be opportunities. We knew that this season would bring opportunities, and maybe that's Chatfield's to go, Hey, I did everything you wanted a long time in the minors. I'm ready to make it and see if he gets his chance to go on a run here. Uh, again, a reminder, 6.30 puck drop uh, here. Um, here's what Bo Horvat, by the way, uh, had to say on Tyler Toffoli's uh, hat trick and just kind of, I think, left a few Canucks shaking their head. No, he's, he's a pretty lethal shooter. And, you know, when he gets those opportunities, um, you know, to, to shoot the puck and the score, he's, he's going to capitalize on it. So, um, again, you got to be aware when he's on the ice um, and just try to take away his time and space because, you know, he has a deadly shot and, I don't know what it is about this building. We love scoring here. And, um, you know, we have to uh, you know, make sure we have to keep an eye on him tomorrow night. 
He was a uh, point-of-game player in the 10 regular season games uh, with the Canucks and then uh, got hurt in the playoffs. But uh, he, certainly, he certainly left a major hole in that top six for the Canucks. Um, and, you know, it's funny. He had just the one assist in the first three games with the Habs here um, going into last night pair. But we talked to P.J. Stock about this yesterday. You know, I, I like the fact that Tyler Toffoli was playing well. He had all sorts of chances creating. He could have had way more assists, way more goals uh, than he had had in terms of coming in. But uh, nevertheless, he finally got rewarded for his efforts last night with the hat trick against his former team. Let's bring in uh, Brian Burke, uh, a presentation of Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. Berkey, I think you guys were hoping for that sort of game with the Leafs and the Oilers, but you finally got it with the late-night affair. That was a fun one last night, wouldn't you say? Oh, outstanding. Yeah, it's a late night, but uh, outstanding game. Really, both teams really played uh, – Played hard, refused to concede. Um, JT Miller makes a huge difference in that lineup, boy. Berkey, I know you're on our media side, but here we are. We've just come through the first week of NHL games and that Oiler game in Toronto and the feeling last night around Vancouver. Are we making too much of these games and not using the must win, but, man, they really need this? Is it? Are we making too much of that, or is the fact is – there's just going to be no breathing space this year in the North division. Well, it's Vancouver, right? So two or three losses is a catastrophe, right? The, the, the Titanic is sinking fire people make trades. It's, it's crazy. When I first worked in Vancouver in 1987, before the, the social media was even around, let alone got to be a factor, uh, you know, we had some problems in the media with a couple people, but basically it was just straight coverage, you know, like, and, and there wasn't panic and there wasn't elation. If you won three games, they weren't picking up parade routes and all that. It's a little different now. And I think that what you'll, what you're seeing, I just said this on the radio in Calgary a few minutes ago, what you're seeing is, and last night Montreal got a point out of that. So these, the number of three point games were four games in, but the number of three point games already where, where the points are all interdivisional, they're all four point games. And mm -hmm. so uh, I think the the tendency is to panic a little bit if you have a slow start, but I think it's easier to make up ground too. Uh, every game you play and you win, you're making up ground on somebody. So um, I'm just a little concerned if I'm a team that's going to have trouble getting in at the number of extra points that are being collected right now. Well, yeah, it's oh my gosh. I mean, what did you see the other night? Uh, there were four games that went to overtime across the National Hockey League. Um, I, I'm curious, our, our poll question this morning, we're asking people what they thought of uh, the the breakaway attempt by Pedersen, who he went pointless again last night, but he goes between the legs on Price. I mean, you got a little bit of old school, but you also see the game for what it is now. Do you have a problem with that for a kid who's scuffling to try to do something like that on Carey Price? Yeah, well, I wouldn't. What I would say if I were still running the team, I'd take him aside and say, just try to score the goal. That's, you know, to get out of a slump. It, like in baseball, I tell you, just hit the ball back at the pitcher. Yeah. Right. Don't worry, don't worry about placement. Just worry about contact. And just right, go right through the pitcher for the next 10 at bats. Just try and make the, put the ball in play. And it's the same thing there. I'd say, just take the, the safest shot, not the circus shot. But look, he's scuffling. Uh, and the criticism is warranted. 
Like this is not a guy who, who's just playing okay and playing really well at times and then having some bad shifts. He's scuffling right now, and that's that's uh, he'll come out of it because he's a he's a great talent and he's a good kid. So he'll come out of it, but it is painful to watch right now. He has no self confidence whatsoever right now. So the criticism is warranted, but a little early and a little heavy, I think. Is there a form? Do you think? And and John Garrett and John Shorthouse kind of. You know, Cheech is kind of go. Oh yeah, Price is giving him the look. Is there reform in old school hockey that's that's disrespectful to a goalie? Yeah, there there is. There guys my from my era. That's my reaction watching the game. You don't try that on Carey Price, but everything's different now. What, what these kids are willing to do and willing to try lacrosse goals. I mean, whoever thought of that when we first started, right? Mm-hmm. Score a lacrosse goal and now. It's kind of cool. You know, I remember I saw the first one, like it was overseas. I'm like, man, that, that was wild. And then I think an NCAA player did it. Uh, yeah. And now you see guys doing it in the NHL, and it's it's a cool play. So guys like us got to take a step back sometimes and say, let the kids play. And uh, No, and, and that's I think that, that's certainly valid. Um, can, I want to bring it back to Petey for a second here, what you're kind of alluding to. You know, when you see that lack of confidence, I mean, I thought it kind of was telling when in the shootout where he just really kind of just, you know, put it right on the pads, essentially. But what stands out for you? Is it is it the body language? Is it just, you know, maybe too much peripherally? Um, what, what do you see from Pedersen? Well, I think getting, I think they'll straighten out right real quickly now that J.T. Miller's back. I think J.T. Miller's a really critical piece there. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because he's a good player and does things right. He's a driver. He drags people into doing things the right way. He'll get his confidence back. I think them missing him was a huge piece. That was a great acquisition by Jim Benning. And this guy makes their team different. He was the difference last night for me. Yeah, Horvat was really good. Besser was really good. But the guy that drove the tone and kept them, kept, they just kept coming back or kept getting a lead and then Montreal would tie it. And then they just kind of willed himself into the two points for me was JT Miller. And I think he'll get Petey back in, in short order, but this is, these are young players like Petey because he dazzles you with that skill level. You expect to see it all the time. And that's just not realistic. Um, they outscored their problems yesterday, which is great. They pocket the two points. I'm sure if you're running this team and you're watching it last night, you saw some glaring holes as far as defensive hockey, not just on guys who are sitting on the blue line, but as, as five-man units. How long does that take to get your systems and get everybody on the same page? I think it takes some time. You remember, this is a six-day training camp and no preseason games. So if most teams would play at least four to six, like we always played eight. So when I was in Vancouver, we had four home games in the preseason and four road games. And then a minimum seven, like in Calgary, we went to seven, four home games and three road games. And so we had, these guys are still in the preseason. If you want to look at it that way, these would be exhibition games right now. So they're working out a lot of kinks. We predicted this on Sportsnet. We said, expect some ugly hockey early, expect some high scoring games. Like you imagine that uh, Holpe gave up five goals last night and got two points. That, that, that ain't going to happen in, in later in February and March. So I think, you know, it's to be expected. And I think the, the proof is the players always bitch about training camp. And they, we want a shorter training camp. 
But if this has established anything, to me, it's you need two weeks of training camp and you need at least four preseason games to get sharp. So they're just coming through the four games. Um, it's too early to say much about what teams are going to do. And I think, you know, not having J.T. Miller, I, like most teams in the in the North Division, in the Scotiabank uh, North Division, most teams are top-heavy. They're, they're, most teams have two lines maximum and, and, and quality defensemen, and then they've got a, a group below them that work really hard, like the Canucks are a classic. Their bottom six work really hard, like Tyler Mott worked hard last night. Uh, Sutter worked hard last night. And so when they have an injury or a COVID holdout, like with JT Miller, it's glaring. And so, and, and there are other teams in the, in the North Division aren't much different. If Drysaddle misses a couple of games, that's a glaring deficiency in the Edmonton lineup. So they're top heavy, they're thin, they take Miller out, who's a driver and a key contributor, and it shows. And they get him back and they look like a different team. Now they got to tighten up. Hope he's not going to give up five every night. But I will say this I don't fault the, goal, the goaltenders. Like, maybe they're not making that big, great save, but they're, a lot of these goals, like Montreal's goals last night, which ones do you want Holpe to stop? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe to Foley's first goal, but you want him to stop the Gallagher goal? That's going in. Yeah. Cod Kanyemi goes off a uh, huge stick, and, yeah, I mean, there's some redirects as well. Um, I think we were both on the same page with respect to the Habs uh, that we'd like them to win the North Division. Um, what, what do you make of what you've seen from Montreal so far this season? I like their balance. Well, they got balance. They got depth. I mean, they they truly have three lines, which is a luxury in in the North Division. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the I like their D. I think Romanov was a great addition. Uh, I like yeah. that they're big and snarly. They can play any way you want. I like their depth at center. Um, I think Toffoli was a key acquisition, not just because he had a night, big night last night. I think they had trouble scoring off the wall last year. Gallagher was the only guy that was a threat off the wall. Now they got two. So I think uh, Mark Bergman has done a surgical job of bringing in the pieces they were missing and shoring up the goaltending position. So I really like their team. They were sloppy last night, but I really like their team. And they didn't quit last night. No, they didn't. Uh, You know, you spoke last week about uh, Travis Hamannick. You had him. You like him as a person. Uh, That first goal, it looks like he's going to, to maybe say, hey, you can't do that to Quinn Hughes and completely abandons his post. Are you upset with that as a GM, or do you go, you know, doing the right thing, heart's in the right place? I, I think what I would say there, if if I were still in Calgary and that I still had Hammer as a player, I would just go to him the next day and say, good for you for sticking up for the kid. I love it. But you you got to take a number. Like, these games are too important. you gotta, you got to stay in your position and then go after the whistle, go and yap at the guy or do something. But – you never want to discourage that type of stick togetherness and, and hammer's a great kid. And, uh, so I would, it would have been a kind of a, Hey, nice, nice thought, but executed a little differently, a little smarter next time. Um, elsewhere around the national hockey league, the, the NHL issued a uh, statement involving the Washington capitals, uh, handing them a hundred thousand dollar fine. You know, I, I guess for breaking COVID protocol, you had a, a, I guess four Russian members of the Capitals, including their captain, Alex Ovechkin, all hanging out in a room, which is kind of a big no-no according to the NHL's COVID protocols. Man, I just look at this, Berkey, and I, you know, part of me is like, man, you could almost throw the book even harder. Like, I'm an, I'm an Ovi guy. 
But he's a 35-year-old captain. It's not like he's a kid here. Like, you got to know better than this, right? Well, yes, absolutely. And that's why they find the team 100 grand. And you might say 100 grand is not a lot of money, but in this environment, it's a lot of money. Mm. The teams are bleeding red ink right now. That's a massive fine for – you look at the revenues. They've been slashed, like, so badly – and the revenues for the league are going to, the players are going to owe the owners so much money when this season is over. It's unbelievable. But the fact of the matter is he's got to know better. First off, he's a captain. Second, he, these rules aren't negotiable. I think the key here is, I think the reason, and Elliot Friedman said this today, so I'm stealing this from him. But I think what the league is trying to make a statement is to the local health authorities that we are enforcing these protocols. We are taking them seriously. I think, that message was not just to the Capitals, it was to the health minister in British Columbia, that we are enforcing these protocols, we do take them seriously, we are imposing severe discipline on teams that breach the protocols. So, yeah, he's got to know better. And, and these these protocols are there for a reason. And you might say, well, in a game, Ovi sitting next to Orlov on the bench, what's the difference? The difference is... They, they want to keep, isolate players as best they can. So after the game, you go back, there's a team meal or whatever, and then you go back and you stay in your room. So this is hardly a big infraction. It's not like they were out chasing strippers or something. They went to one guy's room and had a couple of beer. Big deal, right? But it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, games Old were habits. postponed, yeah. Yeah, old habits. Hey, Berkey, thank you for this. Uh, it's going to be great to see these guys go at it again, and uh, we'll catch up with you next Thursday. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. There he is, Brian Burke, a presentation of Andrew Sherritt Limited weighing in this morning here on Sportsnet 650. And, uh, yeah, I I, th- I like what he said about Petey, right? I mean, it's okay to criticize your, your players when they're not performing up to st- what the expectation is, right? Like, ultimately, you're going to go as far as your star players take you. Um, and was Petey better? He was more noticeable out there last night. But, again, like that's four straight games now that he's gone without a point pair. Well, but, you know, and Burke mentioned a couple times, John Garrett talked about it too, and we have. JT Miller was the guy that PD missed more than anybody else. You may talk Mm -hmm. PD and Besser, PD and Besser. You need JT Miller. You had him essentially for one period in Calgary where you had a bunch of energy and then it disappeared. Uh, JT Miller was his self last night. But, hey, you're you're a star player, so if the team's not winning, you look at the star players. And so that's fine. I mean, PD may end up with two or three before he's done with this series with Montreal. Um, but I'm not surprised at all that Berkey thought, and it's our poll question, PD going between the legs, old school, you don't do that anymore. But these kids have so much talent. They've got moves that we haven't seen. They're not classic hockey moves. They're just what they do now. Uh, I wasn't surprised he was offended by that, but good on him. Speaking of uh, offended, someone who offends very easily joins us now. Oh, please. News 1130. Siege is already offended. Well, because it's a lie. Come on. Don't lie to the audience. No one likes that this early in the morning. That's offensive, calling me a liar. Are you kidding me? I'm like the least offended person there is. I just don't get offended. All right. Because I'm uh, not weak. Let's let's, let's test that now. (laughs) Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, Let's see if we can offend Sonia. I'm kidding. Uh, Sonia. Yes, don't do it. Bring it on. (laughs) Oh, wow. The show uh, Yeah, really took a different turn there. No, it's fine. I'm fine with that. Do it. You're okay with that? Yeah, do it. Where what is going on in the news world, Ms. Aslam? <laughs> oh, you guys are really on it this yeah, morning. We're on it, yeah. Um, we don't talk. We don't want to talk about the game at all. No, we we don't want my thoughts on the Canucks. Oh, okay. Uh, sure, tell us. 
no, I think I think we played well. I think what a difference a power play makes. Um, not okay with letting in five goals. It's not even letting in five goals. I think Holby played okay, but you can't let a team come back that much. That that's what pissed me off. Mm-hmm. That's Anyways. a good team. Four times. Montreal, yeah. Montreal's good though. Yeah, I mean, and I'm surprised got... Carey Price let in five goals. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it's probably because his hair is too long. Um, what's going? <laughs> <laughs> I noticed it's curling up at the back of it is, at the back. Yeah. It's COVID hair, man. Everybody's been letting it grow this past year. Are you guys both looking shaggy? Not anymore. Uh, um, no, I. You know what? I am actually. I could use a trip down to the uh, to to get a haircut. Seawald, did you shave your head? I didn't shave it. I got a I got a number two uh, a few weeks ago on the. Uh on the sides. So yeah, I, I, I let it, I let it go. And I, and as soon as I cut it last summer, I was like, Oh man, I miss those locks. And then and now I'm just kind of at the point where ah, it takes too long. You know what? As the weather gets warmer, you won't miss it. Cause then it's too hot. I got my COVID duster back though. That's, that's one good. Oh God. I look like a pirate again. Yeah. Pirate porn performer. Um, you know, they're, they're one and the same, right? Yeah, and I noticed how I didn't. I didn't say porn star. You're no. a porn performer. Porn pirate. A porn pirate. <laughs> That's new. It's yeah. a new kind of That's genre. Right here. You can find me on Pornhub. Uh, <laughs> um, what's going on in the news? We obviously have an update today uh, at three o'clock with Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix. Numbers. I know we haven't talked about COVID in a couple of days. Gave everyone yeah. a break. So our numbers are trending in the right direction here in the Lower Mainland, but there are concerns. Fraser Health is still leading the entire province for too many cases. And the concern right now is that places in northern and uh, in the interior of the province are seeing a major spike in cases, like too many cases. Vancouver Island is now seeing a big spike. And one of the questions we had for Dr. Ronnie Henry a couple of days ago was the UK variant. It is here. We have uh, we have confirmed four cases However, the uh, three of those cases are linked to one person. So one person had it. They didn't follow the rules. They hung out with two other people. They got it. So very easy. But the fourth person has no link to those people, didn't travel, uh, has no link to anything, has been following all the rules, but still got it. So there's an, an investigation underway right now by the province to find out how this person got it, where they went, what did they do, and how you know how quickly is this variant actually um, you know, I, I know that the rate of transmission is so much higher than COVID-19 and uh, they're just, they're looking into it. So we're hoping to get that answer this afternoon, which hopefully will shed some light on the UK variant. Hmm. Uh, um, and they gave sorry. us some numbers from the overdose crisis that, you know, considering what we've dealt with oh, man. and Dr. Bonnie has used her opportunities to go, you know, we've got to talk about what's going on here. Uh, averages were crazy last year, weren't they? Yeah, so BC Paramedics uh, gave us some numbers yesterday in terms of how many calls they've dealt with. More than 27,000 calls for overdoses in all of 2020. When you do a little math and you break down the average, it's 74 calls a day or 20, uh, sorry, one call every 20 minutes. That's what we dealt with last year. So the overdose crisis is the other public health emergency I think a lot of people always forget. That was declared five, six years ago in this province. Numbers have never really scaled down to the point where we can call off that public health emergency. Instead, in 2020, we saw record after record after record. And I know that Dr. Bonnie Henry has said that, you know, being alone and being at home and going through a pandemic has led to drug use for some people. And some of those people have died. Um, it is a very scary situation. And I think, again, what I want to reiterate for people is that please don't think that the opioid overdose crisis in this province is just, you know, drug users on the downtown east side who are down on their luck. No, it is 
anyone. It is normal people who have jobs, um, who, you know, are just, they try it once and it happens. It's, it's such a it's such a dangerous and slippery slope. It's sad because it uh, it impacts a lot of people, but unfortunately it doesn't impact enough people to where it resonates um, to the health crisis that it's front and center in people's minds. But yeah. And you talk about mm-hmm. the, the impact that it has had on, on families that have had to deal with that. It's it's heartbreaking, and, you know, it is still a very, very real problem. And it's not just here anymore, right? Like, it's no. across the country. And it's, it is it is devastating. Like, we've heard from people. Uh, we did a story with uh, a couple of parents a few months ago, and they lost their 17-year-old daughter. She tried it once. She overdosed. She passed away. And it is heartbreaking to hear these people's stories. And again, you're right. It, it is everywhere. And it doesn't matter if you are someone who... Um, you know, perhaps is a normal, not a normal drug user, but a regular drug user who maybe has a roof over their head, or maybe you don't. Everyone's lives matter, and this is very hard to watch. Well, and Sonia, it's the drug supply too, right? Like, you know, with with what's happening with, you know, with COVID and and how things have kind of been shut down, you know, the supply right now, you know, it is so, yeah, it's so lethal to to even go down that road right now. Um, Listen, um, have a great morning. Thank you for this. And uh, round two, Habs and Canucks tonight, all right? I don't think there'll be as many goals, but uh, Ah, let's hope not. <laughs> I like goals. Okay. I like goals too, but this well, is like as long as you win. But six oh, five. No I don't think anyone was pushing for six five last night. Yeah. Well, what I, I, you know what? Maybe because you didn't grow up in the in the eighties and and see all those goals. I was around games. in the eighties. I was just you know in wearing a yeah. onesie and in diapers. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Watching Mister Dress next, Up <laughs> next tomorrow. Bring a Canucks in a song for us too, Aslam. You don't have my hit tomorrow. I'm not here. Oh tomorrow. yeah, well, oh. you can oh. text us. What a break for our listeners. Oh wow! Oh, wow. wow! Shots fired. <laughs> Someone text to say you want to offend Sonia. Pineapple on pizza. That offend you? I, that's not offensive. You're wrong, and it's a stupid idea. But it's not. You know, I'm not offended. I'm not. Great. Now you're offending the listener. Thanks for the suggestion, listener. <laughs> Bye, Aslam. Bye, guys. Sonia Aslam from News 1130 with the latest here this morning on Sportsnet 650. All right, it's 28 minutes after 7 o'clock. Your Canucks commute coming up at 8. We're talking Canucks and Habs all morning as they get set to drop the puck 630 tonight. Hey, get your submissions in. A lot of submissions have been coming in on the Dunbar Lumber, the text line at 650-650. What song best sums up what you saw on the ice last night? We're playing Canucks in a song, and we're hitting the music next. It's game day, people, here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Our own Justin Morissette, along with several others on social media, going with a little Motley crew after watching that. Last night at Rogers Arena, the first game at Rogers Arena pair in, what, 10 months as the Canucks knock off the Habs 6-5 in a shootout that went back and forth and back and forth, and it wasn't the prettiest defensive zone coverage. It wasn't the best goaltending performance from either side, but there were goals aplenty. It was 1980s hockey. And yes, uh, was Quinn Hughes great last night? Not so much at a minus four. Petey's offensive woes are still ongoing. But you know what? A win is a win is a win. And now they're just one game below 500. 
Yeah, you know, you can always play total yards uh, when you, you bet on football. Total shots yesterday, 121. I'm going to take the under today in game two that we will not see 121 shots on goal. Canucks didn't have any in the overtime, yet they had some great chances. Hey, it was fun to watch. I said earlier, it was like a long weekend. There is no bad long weekends, but it was a long weekend where you went for a bike ride and you got a flat tire. It was a long weekend where you're enjoying a beer and you forget that you got the burger on the barbecue and you burn it. You still enjoyed the long weekend, but there were some issues you had to deal with, and the Canucks will have to deal with those issues tonight as they get her going at a 6.30 start, by the way, as well. James Sabalski and Perry Solkowski with you here on this Thursday morning here on the starting lineup on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. We've got you covered with the pregame show as well later on this afternoon with Satyar Shaw and Andrew Walker. Uh, we'll get back to the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Lots of submissions already for Canucks and a song. Let's keep the good times rolling. We got uh, Baron who uh, went with a little Supremes, a little Motown, and keep me hanging on. You know, Pear, this team was struggling to try to maintain a lead last night, and it's been a bit of an issue so far this season. Case in point, Monday night against the Flames, leading 1-0, and then it all kind of went down the drain after that. But, you know, they, they persevered. You know, it was a total bend but not break. It was almost like they were playing the prevent defense last night on the ice. I think that speaks to their experience in the bubble, too. I go back to being down 3-1 in a third period against St. Louis, and they kept on fighting. You know, they didn't have to come from behind at all yesterday until the end, but you were watching, gosh, we got that one goal lead. And then that follow-up shift after they score, that shift, the response shift was always in Montreal's favor. First goal they score coming out, Antoine Roussel takes a penalty. Need more energy, by the way, from Antoine Roussel. But they kept on coming back. You're right. They kept on coming back, and full credit for them to look around that room, be pleased they got two points, look at a videotape this morning and go, man, we made a lot of mistakes. We have to be better. Two points, bag it, and they, they've got the confidence that when they're in a game, they can take it across the finish line. You know, to that point with Antoine Roussel, I was a really big fan of Antoine Roussel when he was with the Dallas Stars, and I liked that signing. I, I really did, and, and I think it felt like it flew under the radar in some respects. Yeah, the term and the dollars, whatever. But I liked that. I liked that fit. I liked how he could skate. I liked his tenacity. I liked the snarl. But he has not been the same player since that injury. He just doesn't seem like he's got that spark. And I thought, you know, having that extra time off, and it's been a full year that he's fully recovered. We just don't see that jump. We don't see that spark. And um, I don't think he's helping this team right now, Pear. I'm totally with you. The Habs are a bigger team. They've got some physicality. when They've added a lot of big bodies this offseason. I don't know if the answer is taking that physicality out because he's one of the few guys that's willing to kind of bang and crash. But we're not seeing that from him. And I don't know how much longer you wait before you maybe send a message to say, Guy, we need more from you because you're not giving us much. The only defense I would play for Roussel is he is a veteran. And as Burke was talking about in the 7 o'clock hour, normally you got yourself eight exhibition games. And for some, it's going to take a little while longer. And I would suggest that, you know, those veterans on the team, the Beagle who was better but needed to be better, Sutter who still looks like he doesn't have that jump yet, the veterans who are routine guys who've been through everything before except this in the last five months, getting ready with no preseason, Maybe that's the case. But for Roussel, you would think you notice him coming out. Whether he's playing six or seven minutes, it can be effective. But to have locked in that third-line spot on the wing, 
that line needs to be better. I liked Godette's game yesterday, and I've liked this game several times. Had that great first period in Calgary. The guys on his wing, though, need to be better, need to bring energy. Uh, let's see if they can find that. I'll give him a little bit of a break because of where they are. He should be ready to go. But now, nah, James, for a guy who's supposed to be the energizer, hasn't been that yet. Not so much. Those batteries need to be recharged, it seems, like that Energizer Bunny. Helena on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650, going with a little Demi Lovato heart attack. Man, I, how many gray hairs formed on the coaching staffs on both sides last night watching that go back and forth? I know you use the term fun. We always go back to that Colorado game when I think was it seven six? Yeah. And it was just crazy. See, I didn't find last night fun. I I I agree with Lynn. It was more of a heart attack. Like, okay, you've scored now. Don't give it up again. Oh, you made a dumb play and you've given it up. Right? If there, I don't know. It, it didn't have the fun meter for me. It was interesting. I love the goals, but I was kind of like, uh uh, uh what, what are you gonna do? What what mistake is coming next? Uh, hopefully it's just a little rough around the edges. I don't say fun. I, I like the submission on Canucks in a song. It was a little bit of a heart attack for fans yesterday. It was, you know what? I, I think it's one of those things that to me, sloppy hockey makes for fun hockey. And as teams are still trying to get adjusted to their structures, it's still early in the lack of exhibition games. There's just a little more unstructured play, and it just makes for a good time out there. Keith is going with a little backstreet boys. Quit playing games with my heart. Quit playing games with my heart. You lose three. It could have easily been a four-game losing streak, but again, the Ben, but didn't break last night. Uh, our friend uh, Ken Reed on Sports Central yesterday had it fun after you know we give you six hours of hockey, you expect everything to be lit up in Toronto where. Connor McDavid's there and you get a defense. Uh, the difference is uh, it, it, it was fun. He comes and says, man, I love hockey where nobody plays defense. That was kind of last night uh, with two teams who like to think defensively they're better. Uh, but yeah, plays games with your hearts. Good submission. Uh, Aerosmith getting some love this morning. Living on the edge. You got five goals on Carey Price and regulation. You got to take advantage of those nights because they don't happen often. Thankfully, they did, but they needed a shootout to deliver it. In all intents and purposes, Canucks get the better of the matchup tonight in goal, as we would assume it's Jake Allen up against Thatcher Demko. And I would take Thatcher Demko in that matchup too. So maybe advantage in the nets tonight for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, we'll get to this one uh, here. And uh, your former Hollywood co-star pair, Aaliyah, back and forth. I don't know if everybody remembers that you were in a movie with her, were you not? Yeah, I was in a movie uh, with Aaliyah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to uh, drop names, but Aaliyah and, and Jet Li. Um, I did not see them at the premiere of the movie. Um, I probably didn't get invited to it, but it was. I'd, so that's got to be old school, right? That's uh, Aaliyah. I, I would never have thought of that. There's a there's a lot of funny when when you play Canucks in the song and people. If you if you're new, we do it after every game, and the challenge will be now that 
you know, you've got three against the Montreal Canadiens, obviously the last one Saturday night. The challenge is, James, I don't know how you work it, but the listeners can, you know, you're, it's like writing a story. The, the, the storyline and the song you're looking at or you're Googling to find something changes at, at the very minute. Now, you know, it would have changed in the shootout yesterday for the Canucks, but uh, that's the challenge of a good submission by my old friend Aaliyah. Uh, 7.43 here on this Thursday morning. James and Perry hanging out with you. It is game day as the Canucks and the Habs go with round two of this three-game miniseries here in the regular season. Uh, we'll get you all set up for that. Your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock. Ian McIntyre, the Sportsnet triple threat Canucks insider, will drop on by and weigh in with his thoughts. And in a moment, hey, look, the Vancouver Canucks, uh, like a lot of teams and a lot of us uh, right around the world, have acknowledged the, the efforts of frontline workers. The Canucks took it to another level last night where they had a few first responders and frontline workers singing the national anthem. What's that like, especially when there's nobody in the building? It's the old, if a tree falls in the forest, we'll get that first-hand perspective, and we'll do it next right here on your Home of the Canucks. It's game day here on your Home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. All right, 11 minutes to 8 o'clock. Your Canucks commute coming your way at the top of the hour. James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski with you. And the Canucks picking up a 6-5 shootout win over La Gloria, the Montreal Canadiens, last night and uh, round two set for 6.30 tonight at Rogers Arena. Canucks doing a nice job uh, acknowledging the frontline worker efforts uh, that we've seen that, hey, so many first responders, frontline workers, healthcare workers, uh, not just here in British Columbia, not just here across the country, uh, not just in America as well, but entirely around the world that have stepped up and risked their lives and put their own personal health at stake trying to help so many of us uh, during this pandemic. And Pear, last night we saw that with uh, the National Anthem. Uh, it, it was a, it's a great idea that they had in the national anthem. Uh, have a listen to it. Uh, frontline healthcare workers, Victoria Gruff and her partner, uh, Chris Clute. Take a listen. With glowing hearts, we see the rise, the true north, strong and free. From far and wide, oh, Canada, we stand on. And Victoria and Chris join us here on the line this morning, and uh, I say good morning. And now that you've had a chance to listen back to it and go through the game film, how do you think you guys sounded? We thought it sounded pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nailed it. Nicer if uh, they turned me up a little bit more. <laughs> Chris, I was thinking the same thing, man. I know it was all harmony for you, but I'm listening for the first 20 seconds. And I'm going, uh-oh, uh-oh, this is going to be Victoria's show. Uh, you could hear it. You just had to strain a little bit for you. Oh, you're not wrong. It is Victoria's oh, show. Oh, hey. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell me this, guys. I mean, uh, before we kind of get into the whole experience of it, was, was were there the nerves? Like, I, I, a good friend of mine, a colleague from years back, she was invited to sing the anthem at a National Lacrosse League game. And, you know, you get 10,000 fans in there. Obviously, you know, there are no fans last night, but – when you kind of push comes to shove and you see that there's a lot of people kind of looking at you still, the players on the benches, uh, do, you, do you have a moment with the words all of a sudden? You go, okay, I just don't, I just make sure I get the words right. I've sung this a bazillion <laughs> times, but now it's it's a little different this time. 
yeah, it was, it was quite different for us. Um, but we <laughs> we knew it'd be it'd be quite the rush uh, beforehand. So we tried practicing in, in different locations in the car, in the bedroom, uh, living Whoa. room. We thought we'd be walking. Boys are walking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounded like crazy people walking down the street singing the anthem. Um, <laughs> but uh, we even we thought we'd be walking onto the ice for the anthem. Uh, so we even practiced walking <laughs> on the carpet. Walking on ice. <laughs> Uh, Victoria, answer me this. I, I mean, yeah. I understand it. You guys did a great job at any point. So you're nervous. You're start. You're now 45 seconds into it. At any point, do you go, this is really cool, and you're kind of in that zone and enjoying it? Or is it terror <laughs> until you're finished? Uh, I feel like it's a little mix of both. Like, the whole time I was really excited, and I'm saying, oh, Canada, you know, like, a, a lot of time. And towards the end, all I could think about is, like, don't forget the words, don't forget the words, even though, like, the last words are just, like, they repeat themselves. Those aren't really the words uh, you would forget. But I just was, like, I was like, you're almost there. You're almost done. <laughs> And you got uh-huh. and you and you got and you got through it. You did a nice job, Chris Clute and Victoria it. Groff with us here uh, this morning. And Victoria, you're you're a registered nurse at the BC Children's Hospital. Man, that's a hospital. If anybody's ever had to take in their child there, or even if if you were a child at one point, I mean, just amazing work that goes on in there. But give me a sense of how you found out how this opportunity came about from the first place. Yeah, um, one of my colleagues, Katrina, I work with her at BC Children. She messaged me a couple weeks ago and said, hey, um, random question, but do you want to sing for the Canucks? And, of course, I said, yeah, I'd be super down. Um, and so she she had prior knowledge that I like singing and that I've sang um, for the Vancouver Canadians in the past. So she was like, okay, well, they're looking for people, and it looks like they might be looking for, like, frontline workers. So uh, Chris and I, I, call, I called Chris and said, hey, like, do you want to do this with me? Because Chris and I sing together. And that night we probably practiced like 30 to 40 times <laughs> trying to figure out a harmony for it. <laughs> I feel really bad for Chris because that was mostly on him. Um, and then we sent them in uh, submission and they really liked it. So it really worked out for us. Well, you, you guys did a wonderful job. Um, glad you got your moment in the sun. And, and thank you for everything that you've done. Oh, uh, we you. sit here, we try and entertain, but... What you guys have gone through, Chris, you're working with the kids at the YMCA and Victoria with you at, at BC Children's Hospital. Great move by the Canucks uh, because you guys have been the heroes. It's nice for us to watch hockey, but we're not doing without people like you. And for you guys to be singers and have that opportunity, hope you enjoyed it. I'm not going to say what the over-under is. You guys will watch that back, but I'm sure you'll be on the PVR for a while and enjoy it. You did wonderful work. Oh, thank you, thank so, you much. so much. I just love the fact that you guys admitted to singing O Canada in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, like, we, live, we, live in a one, we live in a one bedroom. So it's <laughs> no excuses. Putting the O in O Canada there in the bedroom, right? Uh, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Victoria. Uh, stay safe. And, and honestly, both you guys, thank you so much for what you guys have done. Uh, stay uh, safe. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Awesome. Uh, there you go. Chris Clute, uh, who's working with the OIMCA and um, Victoria Gruff from the uh, BC Children's Hospital, both doing some great things. You know, you mentioned the why there, pair. You know, during the pandemic, um, as, as schools were closed, uh, essentially the why became a full-time daycare for children of essential workers. Yeah. You know, so, you know, people trying to find ways to do it, and, and especially at the start of this, before we kind of really had a, not to say that we've got a handle on it now completely, but, you know, we're just trying to figure out which way we're going, which, you know, down is up, up and down, left is right, and, you know, and all of it. And um, these two stepping up and getting rewarded for that last night at Rogers Arena.
smart move by the Vancouver Canucks. We've talked about the anthem. We've talked about the pandemic in a different form about a month ago. Uh, great to see what they did yesterday. We'll hope it continues all season long. Uh, they got the tradition of the siren before face-off, and uh, tonight uh, the Canucks will be acknowledging uh, Amanda Kopicha, I believe. I hope I got that right, uh, Amanda. She's a registered nurse at Peace Arch, and she'll be uh, joined by her husband, John, who's a Vancouver firefighter. So uh, shout-out to those two uh, that will be large and in charge at Rogers Arena tonight for round two of the Canucks and Haves. We got you covered as your Canucks commute is coming up next with Canucks insider Ian McIntyre. It is game day, people, right here on your home the Canucks Sportsnet 650. A cup of Joe and the Canuck commute. For Besser through the middle for Pedersen and alone on goal between his oh legs. My. What a move. And Carey Price stopped him with the right pad. You think this kid is suffering from a lack of confidence? <laughs> Absolutely not. A five-star morning on the starting lineup. Eight o'clock, hour number three of the starting lineup here on this Thursday, January 21st. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, and let's run it back. Let's do it again. After a 6-5 shootout win for the Canucks, the Habs and the Canucks will do it once again at Rogers Arena, but this time it's a 6.30 puck drop. And man, oh man, Per, if Alex Edler, if Travis Hammonick can't go tonight, um, that's a lot more pressure on the likes of an H. Schmidt and a Quinn Hughes who each logged, what, 27 minutes last night? And I don't think we're seeing the best version of Quinn Hughes right now. But, you know, they got no choice but to lean on these guys given the the depth situation right now if those guys are going to miss time. Well, you know, we haven't talked a whole lot about great defense, but a nice performance by Jalen Chatfield who looked comfortable as he makes his debut as a 24-year-old after all the time in the minors. But, yeah, Jalen Chatfield's one of four guys. They're down to four demons trying to bring it home last night. Uh, I don't know what they do. Do you go with Jack Rathbone? Do you, do you, does Ole Olevi jump in um, and move – or do you move Nate Schmidt back to the right side? But if you're down two experienced guys, James, essentially all you have on that blue line from last year then with experience is Quinn Hughes and, and Tyler Myers, right? Otherwise, it's, you know, it, it's Schmidt and a bunch of young guys. So that's a challenge to a very good hockey team. We're seeing it everywhere. Joe Thornton getting hurt last night with Toronto. But, boy, to lose some veteran presence on the blue line, uh, I would suspect if Hamannuk wasn't ready to go for the last half of that third period, I don't know what happens to him that he would be okay to go. And we didn't see Edler be shocked if he's ready to go. So it's a challenge. They've dealt with COVID for week one, and now a couple of injuries on the back end where depth is a question mark. Somebody has to step up. A reminder, your Canucks commute in this hour of the starting lineup presentation of Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. And, you know, Pear, Torian Langley texted in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 this morning, and he made a good point with respect to Tyler Myers where, you know, just to paraphrase what Torgy's saying, but, you know, Myers was kind of everybody's whipping boy for the better part of last year, but... Myers has kind of quietly come around with this team, right? We're not ripping on Tyler Myers. And you know what? He was solid last night. I feel like he's been good to start the year. I mean, a nice shorthanded goal goes off Giordano, but, you know, coming in on the shorthanded. But I like the way he's played. And I think we're starting to see him engage a little more offensively that, you know, he's shown in the past that he's got that offensive upside. I think we're seeing hints of it so far early in this season. But I think Tyler Myers has been okay so far this year. Listen, I, I liked how he kind of gritted it out in the bubble. Um, they missed him with that injury. He came back, 
plays big when he needs to. Hey, he, he's taken a handful of bad penalties. Made a really nice play on Josh Anderson, sweeping with his reach. No penalty there. The Canucks could have did a job, right? They were undisciplined against Calgary. Took one penalty last night. I like Tyler Myers, but again, it doesn't matter who you are. There are only a few guys when you can say, hey, we're pushing him 25, 26 minutes. Um, Tyler Myers is not that guy, but he's going to have to be. And they're going to have to learn to play with other guys right now because of the injuries. But I don't have a problem with Tyler Myers. And I think he he likes to jump up, jump up into the play. Like he is comfortable doing that. And I didn't have a problem with the signing. And I don't have a problem with him being the guy. It's just you don't want him to be your one or two guy. You want him to fit into a nice blend, have that size. But he's going to have to do a text line pop, popping in. People saying, yeah, I like Jalen Chapfield last night. Yeah, he, so did the coach. So yeah. we got time. We'll hear from Travis. I mean, he liked what Jalen Chatfield did. I, there, I think there's just a a quiet confidence as I'm watching him and thinking of a guy who was ready to go, spent some time in the minors. I kind of thought of the guy we see on the intermission an awful lot. Now, Kevin Bieksa didn't come here over heralded and go, he's going to be great. He just came in and go, yeah, I like that. You know what? Simple, smooth, hit some bodies, better skate. But if you can find a diamond in the rough, and I think this organization always thought before they signed Hammonick, Maybe it's time for Jalen Chatfield. We'll see if it can continue. Yeah, I mean, we've been waiting, what, three and a half years since he had that solid uh, preseason uh, going back in camp. I think it was 2017, I think it was, when we first kind of caught eyes with Jalen Chatfield. But finally makes his long-awaited NHL debut last night and didn't look out of place there. Um, you know, the Canucks also, hey, long time coming. Uh, they had plenty of opportunities, but after an 0-for-16 start with the man advantage, the Canucks finally capitalized, and not just once. They get three. They just needed one, and they kind of came in a wave last night and a difference last night in the game as the Canucks' man advantage certainly looking on fire like that top-five-ranked unit from last season. And here's what Bo Horvat had to say on the importance of finally getting that special teams unit humming. Yeah, I know. It definitely feels like getting finally rewarded for it. I mean, we were doing a lot of good things before, and just a matter of time before one went in. Um you know, thankfully we got off to a good start and I just kept building from there. So we got to keep that going. Um, obviously we can't just, you know, think that's going to be good enough. Um, you know, we got to hold ourselves to a high standard and, and do it again tomorrow night. So you get three goals. Now, look, I think some Habs fans would point out that the officials certainly called it one sided last night. Um, where you know six to one power play opportunities for the Canucks and they capitalize with the uh, three power play markers there pair. Um, you know, but hey, they got five past Carey Price. You know, that doesn't happen often. And they were able to get that two points. Like I thought to myself in the, you know, in that third period, you know, even with a, you know, when the Canucks had four, I thought to myself, you guys need to close the deal here. You cannot let a game like yeah. this get away when you've got that much offense against one of the best goaltenders. To me, I'm still a Carey Price guy. You get four against Carey Price, you better take care of business and win this game. Coaches always say, you know, everything evens out in the course of a season. Um, sometimes things even out in the course of a game. You know what I'll be curious at, James? Uh, when this is all done at 7 o'clock on Saturday, 4 o'clock puck drop, by the way, on Saturday. We can look back and this the first three-game series of this NHL season and go, I wonder how much everything evens up as far as the power play is concerned. Because if I had to think, I have a feeling Montreal, you're not changing officiating crews. I have a feeling Montreal might get the better of that tonight because not like they were bad calls. Kokanyemi said something, said afterwards, that's on me. Went at the official on sports and like conduct. Um, you, know, you know, it wasn't like, okay, they're, the refs are having a bad night. Hey, the Canucks got the better of it. I would suspect that probably changes tonight 
And I would bet by the end of this three-game series, you look at those power play advantages, and they'll be pretty much even across the board. But to your point, it's great to get them. They were getting them for the first couple of games, couldn't do anything with them. There's now a confidence. And I don't know if it ever disappeared. And Cheech talked about just a little bit of movement by Bo Horvat. That shot was great. Besser, good down low. And I think they're getting those opportunities because everyone's cheating for the PD one-timer. So let's give number 40 some credit. Yeah, he's not scoring, but if they're cheating for him, others are taking advantage of the room. Certainly worked for them last night. Let's bring in uh, our Canucks insider here for Sportsnet, sportsnet.ca, Sportsnet TV, Sportsnet Radio, Mr. Ian McIntyre. And iMac, I'll tell you, you know, I mean, Quinn Hughes the minus four last night. Pedersen's now four games uh, straight without a point, and yet the Canucks come away with a win. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. the hockey gods, you just can't predict this stuff, but I think the Canucks will take it right now. Well, any port in a storm, that's for sure. I was an insider <laughs> last night. I was inside the building. felt oh. good to be in there. felt weird, though. First game in, in over 10 months. and it's a I hear shame. it's cold. Uh, yeah. You get used to it. It was okay. colder in Edmonton in, in the bubble. I was writing with frozen hands. The, the first game in Edmonton, like literally. You know, when you're out in the snow too long, mind you, we don't have snow, so people here don't know what that's like. But you're out in the snow too long, and uh, your hands are kind of cold, but you can't function. And then trying to hit uh, a keypad to pound out a story, it was kind of good practice for now, because I got a cast on my left wrist, If you haven't, in case you haven't noticed. So yeah. makes writing challenging, but man, there was a lot to write about last night. Well, and was there more good than bad? I mean, at the end, the, the end of the storyline, yeah. you know, the, the guy and the girl go home together, they get two points. Uh, but boy, um, I don't know what I you're talking about. That... But anyways, uh, the, uh, <laughs> yes, anytime you win, there's more good than bad. And uh, it was a win uh, as... As Horvat said after the game, I think as we all realize, after the start, it was a win that they desperately needed. And especially in that game, where you lead four times, your power play finally breaks out, your top players generally are having a, a good night, certainly the forwards were. And, and then you lose your late lead, and you're behind, and it looks like you're going to lose after all that. And can you imagine how that would have felt like piling on for the Canucks after that three-game losing streak if they came home and lost their home opener that way? But, you know, they sh they had resilience. It was uh, a great goal, great shot by Besser to tie it. And they got through overtime, which was just uh, chaos uh, for both teams. The shots were 6-0, but the scoring chances were about even because the the Canucks were eyeball to eyeball a couple of times with with uh, Price and didn't, didn't get a shot on net. But, you know, they, they won the game. But there were, clearly there were problems uh, that they're working on uh, with their team play and in their own zone. They've got... I, I can't think of anyone right now who doesn't appear on defense who doesn't appear to be either struggling or hurt or both. So, I mean, maybe Jalen Chatfield's okay. I'm not sure. We don't get to go in the dressing room, so it's hard to say, but it'll, we'll see who they get out there tonight. And uh, ultimately the team has to find a way to start playing uh, a little better uh, systems wise, a little tighter, not give up what they gave up. 
but it was uh, it was a lot of fun last night, and it's just a shame that there weren't uh, eighteen thousand plus people there because they'd be talking about that game for a long time. And, and you know, and that's and just the that's the one thing we talked about going into last night. That the one thing that we kind of get cheated out, and and hey, we I think we understand what the rules of engagement are, but but Ian. Habs, Canucks, Rogers Arena. I mean, that's one of the most Robin electric Austin. nights of the year when you've got half the building packed with Habs fans in bleu, blanc, et rouge, and then you got the other half trying to protect the house, if you will, for Canucks fans still trying to remind people, hey, hey, we're in Vancouver here. Yeah. Now, by the way, I didn't know you spoke French so well. Je parle un peu. <laughs> wow, a follow-up. From Ottawa. <laughs> like, well, my oh, kids are in immersion. My, my, kids, my, kids are, my, my kids are in immersion, and, and one of the things that we're trying to do these days is, you know, just practice having a little bit of uh, a, a few conversations in French to kind of just – because they hate talking French outside of school. I don't know if anybody else has this issue, but no kid wants to talk French when they get outside of French immersion class. So we're trying to push it a little more. And, uh, uh, so well, I'm trying to brush up on it after okay. all these years. Well, I, I learned something. I didn't know you were from Ottawa, so naturally you'd be bilingual. Here to help, buddy. Eh, yeah. I wouldn't say bilingual, but it's, well, it's a little muddy. But I can right. swear in French. So. Oh, good for you. I wish I could. I wish I could. I have my British Columbia uh, high school French, which does me no good. Mind <laughs> well, you, I, didn't, yeah, I, I so. probably didn't fully apply myself to that course. So you can say open the door and uh, basically ouvre la porte. I got a zero in French in grade eight. <laughs> and I'll be completely honest, and I would go into class with the hockey news. So it worked for me because I think I knew what I wanted to do, and that's exactly – and I had the audacity to argue my mark because we were graded at that point on a scale of 1 to 9. And she appreciated the fight that I had, but I said, you can't give me a zero. She goes, you don't pay any attention in class. Now, kids don't do this, but at least I knew where my path was going as far as making a livelihood. Do you think Jalen Chatfield can make a livelihood on a pro blue line now in the NHL? Oh, that excellent segue. Uh, I love that segue, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't answer that. I've seen him play once. Uh, but he looked he looked handy last night. I, I saw uh, his speed a couple of times uh, get the Canucks out of trouble where he got to a puck or was able to close his gap uh, quickly. Um, and we'll see. I mean, he's had he's had he's had a lot of rehearsals uh, for his big moment last night, and it was kind of overshadowed because there were a lot of big moments in that game. How about Tyler Toffoli's game, by the way? Um, yeah. So he, I, I know he's going to get a chance to play again now, and he's probably going to play depending on the health of of Edler and Hamannuk was banged up at one point, and Quinn Hughes. Looks like he's playing through something because um, he he was laboring at times, but he still played 27 minutes. So whatever that something is, he is actually playing through it. But man, was he a target last night for the Canadians too? But wow. uh, and then you know Schmidt is struggling. Who am I leaving out now? Hamnick, Schmidt, Edler's hurt, Jackfield, and Myers, and you know. Maybe Tyler Myers plays 27 minutes tonight. Who knows? But uh, it's, uh, you know, they. this is the reason that they've developed these young players. As, as Benning said, many times they feel they're at the point 
where they've got good young defensemen who are ready to step in. And, and Ole Ulevi, I, I thought was fine uh, for his situation. Mm-hmm. The the first four games, it's kind of, I, I was find this both uh, uh, both cruel and somehow uh, funny that in the NHL, when a team loses, they change somebody from the bottom of the lineup. You know, when the top guys aren't scoring, uh, they take out a fourth liner. When the team's given up yeah. a lot of goals, they take out the sixth defenseman who plays 10 minutes. But anyways, I digress. Uh, that They've got between Levy and Chatfield, they have a uh, more experienced guy from the minors like Breeze Bois. They have Jack Rathbone, who uh, I thought had a pretty good camp and clearly has um, a, a terrific skill set for a guy who can skate and handle the puck and also has uh, a bit of an edge to his play. So these guys now, uh, this has become reality. These are the guys who are going to have to to step in. I mean, there are players, uh, you know, Julius Honko is on waivers, but, you know, there's other teams that are in, uh, a lot of teams that are in a very tight cap situation would would love to unload a player or two from the bottom of their lineup. But, it, you know, with the 14-day no quarantine, there's no immediate help uh, to for players crossing the border. And and this, this was kind of uh, the fear, and fear might be overstating it, but these are this is the circumstance of the Canadian teams are in, and especially Calgary, Edmonton, and Montreal, who do not have a farm team in Canada. So not only can you... Can you not get help from any of the other 24 teams because whoever you get is going to have to sit at home for two weeks, which doesn't help you tomorrow night. Uh, but they can't get help. They can't get full help from within their system inside inside the country. So it's really important that taxi squad, which we've talked about before. It's also really important. I don't know if it got enough attention. The the little loan deal that the Canucks worked out with the Manitoba Moose yeah. to keep three more players on this side. So between the taxi squad and the loan deal, they essentially have a pool of nine players who aren't on their NHL team that they can tap into. And it looks like they're going to be tapping into a defenseman or two already. Well, and then up front, I mean, you talked about some of the changes that need to be made. I mean, Where's that spark from Antoine Roussel? Yeah, he's been, he's been awfully quiet, hasn't he? Um, I, I I think I think that third line has struggled. Although I like I like uh, the way Gaudet is skating and trying to get involved. Of course, he had the first first yeah, period the other night yeah. where he could have had five, could have had the Tyler Toffoli hat trick in the first period. Um, Gaudet, and I thought last night was easily uh, Jake Vertanen's best game in a long time uh, because he was physical at times and he was skating well. But that whole that line has just got so little done so far. the The fourth line is actually playing well, but the fourth line, you know, because it's fourth line, it it doesn't finish a lot. Although Mott, um, you know, had a, had a, a very timely goal last night, but the fourth line has actually been playing well territorially. Beagle, Sutter, and Mott have been very good in their their matchups. But you know, again, it it we can talk about these guys on the third and fourth line and the bottom of the defense and stuff. But ultimately, 
guys, it's it's always the best players who are going to decide it. And especially if you're if you're looking long term, other than other than just you know the series with Montreal, then yeah, you can you can talk about depth and where the team wants to be ultimately and where it needs to be better. And there's lots of areas where they need to be better. But the area last night that was most important where they needed to be better is for their top guys to score, including on the power play. And so that was that was a relief to see, I think, for for coaches and management that uh, the top guys got going. And I know Pedersen is not yet in that group, but he'll take he'll take a little bit of the good feelings as well that the power play scored, and he's a big part of the power play, even though he didn't get an assist, and that and that his line, you know, especially driven by Miller and Besser last night. His line was uh, productive as well, so uh, I'm I'm not too worried about Elias Pettersson. You know, my worries right now for the Canucks would just be what's happening uh, in their half of the ice, both in how they're playing and how healthy they are. Well, and it used to be where you go, okay, they're banged up. Who do they have? And you might see a couple of. There's no gimmies in the NHL, but you know exactly what they have for the next two with not a lot of time. Uh, I'll look forward to what transpires tonight. Yeah, uh, get a little rest, maybe an afternoon nap, and then at it again tonight. I'm at, appreciate it. How about a morning nap? I'm going back to bed. See you guys. All right. <laughs> there he is, Ian McIntyre, our Canucks insider, weighing in with uh, what went down last night at Rogers Arena as the Canucks um, get the two points and pick up a much-needed win, ending a three-game slide. And uh, is it sustainable to try to get on a run now? Because they'll run it back with the Habs later on this evening at 6.30 tonight here with the puck drop with Batch and Hershey giving you the call as the Canucks will try to make it two straight wins. Um, but suddenly, you know, jumping right back into the conversation of the standings and and right there now for Montreal. This, like, this is the fun thing, Pear, with this mini three-game series. Like, they're going to do it again. And if you thought last night was fun and shaky and all sorts of room for improvement, I'm going to assume it's a tighter scoring, a, a tighter game, lower scoring. Um, but you know what? Both teams know that they've got to be better here tonight. I, I, you know, it's difficult with the Zoom call, but I would assume, you know, last year's home opener is when Drew Doughty uh, uttered the infamous team like that. I would suspect in that Montreal room, I know the head coach wasn't happy listening to him last night, how they killed their penalties, but they're looking at each other going, okay, thank goodness we get these guys again. We weren't very good last night. Uh, they expect more from themselves in Montreal, whereas there's kind of been a sigh of relief from a Canucks perspective, as the captain talked about, man, we needed that. But now you got to be better. You've got to be better five on five. You're not going to have that kind of a tilted weight as far as your penalty opportunities and your chances on the power play. So they're going to have to be better five on five. And that's the one thing we really haven't seen from this team where you have those odd shifts where you're dominating play. And you're going, wow, is this the power play? No, they're just dominating. Uh, they're going to be need to better tonight. I would suspect they'll have an advantage of goal with Dempko up against Jake Allen. But I think we see a different Montreal Canadiens team with a little more jump, just like we saw when the Canucks won the first one against Edmonton last week. When you lose the first, more desperation on the other side. It is uh, 25 minutes after 8 o'clock here on this Thursday morning. As we mentioned, uh, Canucks and Habs round number two later on tonight at 6.30. In a moment, if you missed him earlier, Brian Burke weighed in with his thoughts on Elias Pettersson's struggles and a hot topic of our uh, Twitter poll conversation as well with Petey 
going between the legs on a breakaway when you haven't had a goal yet this season. Was it a little too salty? Do you love the confidence? Berkey weighs in with his thoughts. Plus, get your submissions in. 650-650 of the Dunbar Lumber text line. We're going to hit the music as well with your Canucks in a song. It's all still ahead right here. It's game day on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 831. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski, backstretch here, the starting lineup on this Thursday morning. Game one in the books between the Habs and the Canucks. Round two. Ding, ding, ding. 630 tonight. Looking forward to that one. Our uh, Sportsnet 650 Twitter poll uh, question this morning, Pear. Did you like EP40's between-the-legs move on his unsuccessful breakaway on Carey Price? Uh, a lot of people talking about it. It's certainly for a guy who doesn't have a point in four straight games. Uh, a little salty. Uh, and I'll tell you what, most people loved it. 79% saying loved it. Uh, 21% saying a little too flashy. Yeah, it was a wow moment. And if you heard the call, Batch and Hershey, Hershey, like, whoa. Uh, I'll tell you this. Um, you know, John Garrett mentioned on the TV broadcast, I think Carrie Bryce is kind of staring at him. Uh, we'll hear from Berkey on his thoughts on that in a second. I was kind of like, whoa, and you're not lacking confidence. But I did feel when it came to the shootout time, and EP goes first, they go, he's not scoring. I don't care what he does. Carrie Price is not letting this guy score. He's the best in the world. You tried to do that to him. You're not scoring on the shootout. That's going to be a fun match. And Price won't be in the Nets today, but uh, it'll be fun again on Saturday. That's how rivalries build, right? You know, it's like the Matt Murray, Brock Besser. That was lucky. All right. Well, now you get to see him another nine times. So it'll be fun to see how that breaks out. But 78, 79% of the people said, love it. Bring it on. It's the new kids. Only 20% old school, too flashy. Uh, a reminder that the uh, this hour is a presentation of Surrey Honda. Go visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. We asked Brian Burke about what he thought of that breakaway attempt by PD last night, and Brian Burke joined us bright and early this morning. Here's what Burke had to say. What I would say if I were still running the team, I'd take him aside and say, just try to score the goal. That's you know, to get out of a slump, it, like in baseball, they tell you just hit the ball back at the pitcher. Yeah. Right. Don't worry. Don't worry about placement. Just worry about contact, and just right, go right through the pitcher for the next ten at bats. Just try and make the put the ball in play. And it's the same thing there. I'd say just take the the safest shot, not the circus shot. But look, he's scuffling, and the criticism is warranted. Like, this is not a guy who's just playing okay and playing really well at times and then having some bad shifts. He's scuffling right now. And that's, that's, uh, he'll come out of it because he's a, he's a great talent and he's a good kid. So he'll come out of it. But it is painful to watch right now. He has no self-confidence whatsoever right now. So the criticism is warranted, but a little early and a little heavy, I think. Is there a form, do you think, and, and John Garrett and John Shorthouse going to, you know, Cheech is kind of go. Oh yeah, Price is giving him the look. Is there a form in old school hockey that's that's disrespectful to a goalie? Yeah, there there is. There guys my from my era. That's my reaction watching the game. You don't try that on Carey Price, but everything's different now. What these kids are willing to do and willing to try lacrosse goals. I mean, whoever thought of that when we first started, right? 
mm-hmm. score a lacrosse goal. And now it's kind of cool. You know, I remember I saw the first one, I'm like it was overseas. I'm like, man, that, that was wild. And then I think an NCAA player did it. Uh, yeah. And now you see guys doing it in the NHL and it's, it's a cool play. So guys like us got to take a step back sometimes and say, let the kids play. And uh, no, and, and that's, I think that that's certainly valid. Um, can, I want to bring it back to Petey for a second here. What you're kind of alluding to, you know, when you see that lack of confidence, I, I mean, I thought it kind of was telling when in the shootout where he just really kind of just, you know, put it right on the pads essentially. But w- what stands out for you? Is it, is it the body language? Is it just, you know, maybe too much peripherally? Um, what, do, what do you see from Pedersen? Well, I think getting, I think they'll straighten out right real quickly now that JT Miller's back. I think JT Miller's a really critical piece there. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because he's a good player and does things right. He's a driver. He drags people into doing things the right way. He'll get his confidence back. I think them missing him was a huge piece. That was a great acquisition by Jim Benning. And this guy makes their team different. He was the difference last night for me. Yeah, Horvat was really good. Besser was really good. But the guy that drove the tone and kept them, kept, they just kept coming back or kept getting a lead and then Montreal would tie it and, and they just kind of willed himself into the two points for me was JT Miller. And I think he'll get Petey back in, in short order. But this these are young players. Like Petey, because he dazzles you with that skill level, you expect to see it all the time. That's just not realistic. Um, they outscored their problems yesterday, which is great. They pocket the two points. I'm sure if you're running this team and you're watching it last night, you saw some glaring holes as far as defensive hockey, not just on guys who are sitting on the blue line, but as, as five-man units. How long does that take to get your systems and get everybody on the same page? I think it takes some time. You remember this is a six-day training camp and no preseason games. So if most teams would play at least four to six, like we always played eight. So when I was in Vancouver, we had four home games in the preseason and four road games. And at a minimum seven, like in Calgary, we went to seven, four home games and three road games. And so we had, these guys are still in the preseason. If you want to look at it that way, these would be exhibition games right now. So they're working out a lot of kinks. We predicted this on Sportsnet. We said, expect some ugly hockey early, expect some high scoring games. Like you imagine that uh, Holpe gave up five goals last night and got two points. That, that, that ain't going to happen in, in later in February and March. So I think, you know, it's to be expected. And I think the, the proof is the players always bitch about training camp and they, we want a shorter training camp. But if this has established anything to me, it's you need two weeks of training camp and you need at least four preseason games to get sharp. So they're just coming through the four games. Um, it's too early to say much about what teams are going to do. And I think, you know, not having JT Miller, I, like most teams in the, in the North division, in the Scotiabank uh, North division, most teams are top heavy. They're, they're, most teams have two lines maximum and, and, and quality defensemen. And then they've got a, a group below them that work really hard. Like the Canucks are a classic. Their bottom six work really hard. Like Tyler Mott worked hard last night. Uh, Sutter worked hard last night. And so when they have an injury or a COVID holdout, like with JT Miller, it's glaring. And so, and, and there are other teams in the, in the North division aren't much different. If Drysaddle misses a couple of games, that's a glaring deficiency in the Edmonton lineup. 
So they're top heavy, they're thin, they take Miller out, who's a driver and a key contributor, and it shows. And they get him back and they look like a different team. Now they got to tighten up. Hope he's not going to give up five every night. But I will say this I don't fault the goal the goaltenders. Like maybe they're not making that big great save, but they're a lot of these goals, like Montreal's goals last night, which ones do you want Holpe to stop? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe to Foley's first goal, but you want him to stop the Gallagher goal? That's going in. There's Brian Burke uh, weighing in on what he's seeing right now for the Vancouver Canucks and uh, from Pedersen that, hey, yeah, it's it's okay to criticize right now because, you know, it's it's warranted. But is he going to bounce back? Yes. And uh, we'll see if uh, Pedersen can end a four-game point-scoring drought uh, later on tonight in round two against the Montreal Canadiens pair. Well, and, and that becomes the difficulty. And uh, we got so many submissions. Let's get to Canucks in a song. Because, you know, and a lot of people on our text line saying, hey, they got the win, but they're still, you know, PD, MIA, and, and you need some things to happen. And as, as we recap it in a song, as we always do, James, I kind of moved on. I don't know if I was watching the game as a coach in a sense last night, but you looked at no Hamannick, you looked at no Alex Edler, no sign that they may be back. You're going to have to log 27 plus minutes like Hughes did. That's some young guys to spread it around. I felt to encompass last night and what's ahead in this series, a little pink and trouble. Don't go negative on me, people. I think it's just realistic. It's going to be tough for the next couple of days if they're if they're in trouble on the blue line. Well, no Edler. Uh, the possibility that no Travis Hamanick, uh That's a lot of minutes. You're looking at probably close to 40 minutes that needs to be accounted for uh, with those two guys out of the lineup potentially tonight. Uh, here's what I got from Mike Canucks in the song this morning here. Thank you very much, DJ Greg Ballack. You know, Carey Price allows five goals in regulation. Quinn Hughes, a minus four. To Foley with a hat trick, but can't win the game in the shootout. Petey, no goals and still decides to go between the legs on a breakaway attempt. Canucks will peep three power play markers. This game was drunk on tequila. I mean, it was absolutely sideways. And that's all I could think. Watching that one play out, man. Like, this game is drunk. And so I'm going with the champs. Tequila. Lots of other good submissions here this morning, Pear. Um, Let's go with, uh, how about this submission here? I love this one. Uh, Queen. Classic from Her Majesty. Doing all right. That's probably for someone who, like, Probably lit one up or took some micro dose after the game and totally relaxed them, letting the dust settle on a 6-5 shootout victory last night. That may be the first time in, in the in the time we've done Canucks in a song last year and this year that I'm going, I don't know if I've heard that song. Hmm. It's an old-time classic. Oh. Yeah. And that, hey, they needed that. Bull Horvat in referencing the win yesterday referenced the standings. I mean, that's crazy. It's the beginning of week two. But guess what? We've talked about it. And I know fans have too. You go, you need that win. 
They were in the basement of the North Division for a minute after that Oiler win, so they're doing all right. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Submissions keep pouring in here. How about this one? A little throwback jam with the Spinners. Love Roller Coaster. I should correct myself. It was actually the Ohio players, but you know, look at this performance last night. It was up, it was down, it was up, it was down. I mean, Perry, Quinn Hughes, a minus four last night, and they still come away with a 6-5 win. There was no time watching this game that you felt when the Canucks took the lead again and again and again that they were locking it down, like that they were not going to need another goal. I mean, it's appropriate that this thing did not end, and it almost did, my goodness and regulation with the chance from Gallagher off to draw yet again. But, yeah, you're, you're right. It was a roller coaster. You knew this was going to end in a shootout or at least overtime. I just don't think we see that again less than 24 hours later when they go at it again tonight. Well, 8.44, uh, some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show uh, coming up at 9 o'clock this morning, and we'll try to pick you some winners if you were listening to us last night. You would have been richer for it. We'll give you those details next. It's game day. Canucks and Habs pregame show at 430 here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. And for Besson through the middle for Pedersen. He alone on goal between his oh legs. My. What a move. They carry Price stopped him with the right pad. You think this kid is suffering from a lack of confidence? <laughs> Absolutely not. This is the starting lineup with Jim Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Heard the news yesterday that the Washington Capitals uh, have been fined $100,000 for violating COVID protocols with uh, four players hanging out in a room together. Um, this morning, uh, the NBA announcing that the Vancouver are the. <laughs> Formerly Vancouver Grizzlies, the Memphis Grizzlies. You're hoping, yeah. uh, I wish. Uh, their next three games have been postponed uh, with the league's uh, health and safety protocols. Um, did you happen to see, like, the, the new big three debuted last night in the NBA with Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant? Um, they And they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers because Colin Sexton was, like, the story where he scored 20 straight points for the Cavs in overtime, and they beat him, but... They lost, and Kevin Durant scored 38. Kyrie returned to the lineup. He scores 37, and James Harden had a ho-hum 21, and they still lost. Steve Nash is going to have fun there, and I, fun in a sense that I don't know if he'll, he'll be pulling out his hair. But, yeah, what do you want from your guys? They're going to have to figure out. You just can't win with three guys scoring all the time. You're going to have to play some defense. I think they'll be okay. I mean, Kyrie was pretty good for a guy who hasn't been anywhere near the basketball team for the last week. Uh, but they're interesting. That's what you wanted. You wanted them to be the story. And I wonder if they will be in New York, right? They'll they'll be the team now as to all focus will be on what the Nets can do, which is, I think, what they've always wanted. Take that mantle away from the Knicks and not be, oh, who cares about the Nets? I know you got the superstars, but you got to win too, right? Yeah. Uh, by speaking, the way, of, yeah. speaking of winning, I have not given a wrong bet for our listeners since the NHL started. And we've got the tape to prove it, my friend. Mm-hmm. I have given them a winning pick every day since day one of the regular season. You gave them a winner yesterday, too. Mm-hmm. My winning streak on the line tonight, people, you want to make some money? There's one team, well, there's, there's, there's several teams that have still yet to lose in regulation, 
But shockingly, Quinn Hughes' brother Jack has not lost with his New Jersey Devil team yet in 60 minutes of hockey. I'm going to risk my streak and keep it alive by taking the New York Islander to beat the New Jersey Devils team. Ooh. I like the way the Devils have played so far this season. They've been fun. Been good. Yeah, they're, uh, they're finally. They've been waiting for a while for that team. They've played good hockey, but they're not that good yet. I think Barry Trotz clamps them down with the way the Islanders play. I'm also uh, looking at an Eastern Conference matchup tonight, and I'm looking at the Bruins and the Flyers. Boston is struggling to score goals right now to open up the season. Uh, the Flyers are scoring in bunches. Uh, they might be giving up a lot as well, but I like Philadelphia to take care of business on the road against the Boston Bruins tonight. The Flyers to win in Boston. I like the way that Philly's playing. I mean, this is also the team I got coming, uh, you know, getting to the Stanley Cup final against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, give me the Flyers over the Bruins tonight that uh, just seem to be scuffling right now. And maybe the uh, the mighty Bruins empire that we've seen for the better part of the last decade pair might be coming to an end. Well, James, the secret to my success in, in wagering has been I always take the team that loses. I take them the next night. There is only one series where the teams are playing again the next night. And being who we I'm talking to and listening to, I avoided that game for you, the listeners. Privately, I might play that mantra that when you lose the night before you come back to win, I think it'll be a challenge today at Rogers Arena for the Canucks. We got to get out of here. Uh, the Scott Rintoul Show coming your way at the top of the clock. Scotty with much more on what went down last night at Rogers Arena and looking ahead to what's going down tonight with round number two, 430, your pregame show with Satyar Shah, Andrew Walker and company, and Batch and Hershey with the call coming your way at 630 tonight. We're back at it. Same bad time, same bad channel tomorrow. Ron McLean, Steve Rapp, Ariel Hawani joining us, and much, much more right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 6. 650.